everybody. Welcome to Street Fight Radio. Hope you're having a good night. It's time for Street Fight Call-In Edition. That number to dial is 614-655-3887. If you want to talk to me and Brian, we're here to listen to what you got to say about work, about life, about anything your heart desires. We're here to listen. Uh, we've got some people lined up tonight. I think we've got some good calls planned. Um, I can't wait to get into them. I love hearing from all y'all. This is one of my favorite parts of doing this is answering these calls. So thank you to everybody that takes the time out to listen and and wait on the line sometimes for a very long time. It means a lot. Uh, You can support our show. We're not going to, we don't sell mattresses. Um, I'll tell you that Puffco vaping products are shit and their warranty program is fucking awful. It's so tedious that they get away with selling chintzy horrible products and uh, that's the kind of anti-advertisements you get on a podcast that's supported by the listeners and not by Bud Light and uh, mattress companies so if you like what we do head to patreon.com slash streetfight radio get access to bonus shows bonus videos bonus audio in and bonus live streams I uh, do high five Friday a few times a month and I uh, like hanging out with everybody so we're moving onward and upward and got a bigger and brighter future ahead and uh we're only gonna go up from here means tv is fucking going it's really working we got an actual professional person involved so that it's not just like a bunch of slackers doing it i love it and uh how you doing brian okay okay cold day Got surprisingly cold, cold day yeah, gotcha man it was like 70 <laughs> degrees yesterday and then boom gotcha yeah i thought yet as soon as the sun down went down i started feeling very uncomfortable and i was like oh i don't have a base layer on <laughs> this is this base layer time it thunderstormed last night it was so loud i thought it was bombs i went i got up and actually looked out the window to see because it was so loud it scared me it jumped me out of bed so that happened to me last night but I'm feeling okay now. Uh, had a weird thing happen to me today. I was out on my daily walk. And uh, I had just... I got on a main road, Front Street, uh, near German Village for Columbus, Ohio heads. And uh, this guy is driving a pickup truck and he just slams on his brakes. And he backs up on a road that people are driving on. Oh, nice. And then leans looks at me he's like sir sir and i was like oh this guy probably wants some directions or something and i was like yeah and he was like uh uh hey they're handing chicken sandwiches out back at that uh ranger station back there and i what? was like what and he was like popeye's chicken sandwich they're handing them out and i was like oh thanks for letting me know i'm okay and he was like popeye's chicken sandwiches they're free they're handing them out Right. And I was like, oh, I'm not hungry. And he was like, okay. And he just took off. <laughs> it was like so fucking weird, man. You wouldn't receive your blessing. I I guess. It was he was That's spreading a good word. That is good too. I always I always tell people, I like to tell people, hey, you can get free stuff right now if you go. <laughs> just get up and go. Don't think about it. Just start running in that direction. There's free shit waiting. Free sandwiches, Popeyes, chicken, like you know, he was like letting you know. It's like yeah. this isn't some chicken sandwich a guy made in his house. Yeah. Okay. This is from Popeyes. Yeah. Okay. And this just, is the meme sandwich. So not safe. So not a safe 
thing he did, you know, but I, I respect it. He was really trying to spread the good news. Yeah. But I, I, it was just wild. He was it trying was to so spread funny. cheer. Yeah. He looked, I'll say this. I don't like to profile people. He looked like a Trump guy. Oh, too. he like had that vibe, you okay. know, but he wanted me to know about these chicken sandwiches. So maybe he's a mutual egg guy. Free ride. He likes to free ride when it's a chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, maybe he isn't a, uh, maybe he's not a Trump guy. He just gave off like heavy Trump guy vibes. But uh seemed almost too nice to be a Trump guy, you know? Yeah, but I, I guess also, like, you figure someone's walking, and everybody yeah. assumes that, like, you're miserable, and it's like, oh, look at that poor sod over there. It doesn't even have a fucking car. Yeah, yeah. That's how people in those, like, in those vehicles think of you. Yeah. And then they see, they're like, hey, hey, cheer! you want to cheer yourself up? Go get a chicken sandwich. They're handing them out today. Yeah. But I, I, I squeal in the brakes, all of that, spin the car out, do a fucking donut. Like, yeah, let everybody know. Reverse on a road that people drive on is an insane move to make ever. Now I'm thinking also like when there's people passing me by, it's like, what if they just got a free chicken sandwich? They didn't bother to tell anybody when they were on the way home. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. There are probably a lot of people who went and got the chicken sandwiches and are like, eh, you know, they'll know. I mean, if yeah. they happen upon the chicken sandwich, then that's fine. But this yeah. guy seemed like he was on his way there. Like oh. He was driving towards it. He went, not he, away from it. He wanted it to be like a mosh pit then. Yeah. He was just like, hey, come on, jump in the car, jump in the back. <laughs> yeah, jump in the back of my pickup truck. Yeah. I'll take you there. I'm ready to take you right there where the chicken sandwiches are. I thought he was like trying to bait me into his car to like kill me or something. But yeah. I think he just wanted me to get a chicken sandwich. He gave me real like, cause he was really pressuring me. Like he was almost like annoyed that I, like he didn't give off annoyed vibes. Obviously he seemed like a very nice gentleman, but like that he was almost like, what is wrong with this guy? He doesn't want chicken sandwich from, from Popeye's. It What's would, wrong with that? Yeah, it would have been funny when you said, oh, I'm not hungry, if he would have slammed it into park and then started opening the door. And <laughs> start talking. <laughs> yeah. Like, now, what the hell? Now, what are you thinking right now? <laughs> do you need help? Do you need me? Yeah. Do you need a psychiatrist or something <laughs> like that? You can use some of my time on the app that I, I do therapy on. You do need a chicken sandwich, my dude. Yeah. You do need it. Weather was really bad, though. You know, it was really windy and cold and kind of yeah. rainy. So he, maybe he was just like, you know. That would turn it around. Turn your day around. Turn your day around. He could walk down the street with a fucking chicken sandwich in his hand. That's the other thing. Like, I would never walk with a sandwich. I can't even, like, imagine doing that. But then I got to thinking, because I did have a sandwich for dinner, and my wife dug the bread out for some reason. Like, she was telling me that's what restaurants do. So she wanted to do it. And I was like, you know what? Just do whatever you want. And then I started thinking about how Subway used to cut their subs. And I'm like, why don't they do that anymore? The why don't they bring that back? Yeah. The U-gouge? They used to cut, for people that don't know, they used to take the bread and set it down. They would cut a triangle out of the middle and just stuff the stuff in and stick the top of the triangle back on top. And it's like, that was what made Subway Subway for a number of years. And then for a while, they were like, we'll still do that. If you ask, we're just, we're going to start cutting on the side. But if you, if you fucking complainers really need to have the, the V cut out of it, then we'll do it. And then now they're just like, you, you would ask the person at the counter. They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? Yeah. 
Like yeah. they, they, the, the, the kid working at Subway does not know what the, what the old sandwich configuration was. Yeah. It's like asking for broccoli cheese potatoes at Wendy's. And they're like, we haven't done that since 2006. Yeah. It's like when people would ask for hot dogs at McDonald's and you would just be like, we haven't done <laughs> we that did. ever in the history of the company. <laughs> I remember That's something, people, you know, we're still waiting for that to happen. People would fucking pull up all the time. I mean, this would happen so often. There were two things that we didn't have at the time. Hot dogs. Because McDonald's has never served hot dogs. In the history, in the run of McDonald's, they've never served hot dogs. But apparently people think they did. And then people would also want a medium fry. But when I was working there, they have no medium fry. They had small and supersize. Mm -hmm. They didn't have medium. Small, large, supersize, no medium. And it just confused everybody, you know, because it's like, I want a medium fry. I want a medium amount of fries. Not a large amount or a small amount. I want a medium amount. So they would, yeah. Can we get a hot dog? Hey, hey, uh, y'all got hot dog? Do you see hot dog on the menu? If hot dog, if there is nothing on the menu with a hot dog in it, there's no hot dogs in this building. Burgers, fries, shakes. That's the original slogan. Yeah. Of Mickey D's. BFS. Yeah. Well, no, they didn't shorten it or anything. So. Yeah, that always frustrated me, man, trying to explain to somebody like you can't you can't pull up to a drive through speaker and just order whatever you're thinking about. You like have to look and see if they have the thing. You're too narrow minded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the future, it'll just be a kitchen stocked full of stuff. And they're just like, well, I think we can make that. Yeah, I was wondering about that 3D printing food thing uh last week when i was out taking a walk it was like because i'm i saw 3d printed steak recently looked like shit by the way did not i mean did, what wasn't appealing at all to me period. okay as a meat eater though maybe if you're a vegetarian it's like damn i miss steaks you know you might be able to get something out of that just look like a like a um, baseball made out of muscle or something no, it just look. It looked like they were trying to make the shape of a fucking New York strip. I hate it when they you can't shape it. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> but then I started thinking like like the McRib is shaped like ribs, like it has bones and shit in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just have a machine that shapes it like that. <laughs> so like then I started thinking like they were saying several years ago when three D printing was really popping off. They were like, you're going to be able to like 3D print food. Yeah. So, but they've stopped saying that. They just don't even say it anymore. They yeah. don't have any interest in saying you're going to be able to 3D print food anymore. I think people are turn. They'll come up with a different name for it. Yeah, this is weird. Because it makes me think like, what? Okay. So, when you 3D print something, it's just some cheap garbage plastic stuff anyway. You know what I mean? Like, all you can 3D print is plastic right. shit. And that's because you pour plastic pellets into the 3D printer. I mean, this is a rough approximation of what happens. Yeah. And then it melts it and squirts it out into a shape. That is what a 3D printer is. And I get it. But if you were to want to 3D print food, you would have to put food in the 3D printer, which doesn't work. Like, then it's just like, well, I'll just eat the food. You know, I'll eat whatever the food powder is. Yeah. You know, it's just a little something I was thinking. I just, I've never heard of it. I haven't really heard of it as 3D printed steak. I've heard it more of like growing it in a, um, 
like an easy bake oven where you just take cells and then it warms overnight and 24 hours later, you got yourself a hunk of meat. Well, I'm really into that because I'm really into this, like making meat without animals, you know, like I'm into this idea. I just don't think it's ever going to happen, you know? Uh, oh, here we go, Brett. You can walk over here and see it. You can, you can come over here and uh, you can see the 3D printed steak. That's it, right? Oh, mother, there it is, right there. It looks like like a video game steak. Really, it doesn't look good. It looks like the it looks like the little hams you got in Ghost and Goblin. It looks like straight up play doh. It doesn't look good. It doesn't like it's like three D printed vegan steak. And it's like, just look it up. It's called Redefined Meats 3D Printed Vegan Steak. And uh, it, it just, it looks terrible. It looks horrendous. Well, like, they got to try. But you should, you should keep that a secret, though. You're right. You, you should have kept that one a secret. That one's not ready to show. <laughs> I love right, that. Right like, about that. They probably did keep the first few things a secret. And then they were like, I think we got it. But vegans do not understand meat at all. They do not get it. They will never understand it. You're going to need somebody like me who eats meat but feels insanely guilty about it uh -huh. to help you figure that out. You know what I mean? Like, that's who they need in these companies is they need meat. Yeah. Because then it's like if we're trying to get meat eaters to eat this stuff. It needs to look a certain way and feel yeah. a certain way. And I can help with that. Yeah. And you're so picky of an eater that you won't put up with anything less than like a one-to-one -one copy. That's exactly it. That's why I haven't gone vegan. I haven't even gone vegan yet because I'm just like, one of these days they're going to print me some cheese and I'm just going to be able to toss it on a fucking printed cheeseburger. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just going to be able to like cook that up you know you get a little cell you get a little thing going on your kitchen's like a laboratory or it's like the kitchen in back to the future 2 when they have the mini pizza and they stick it in the food rehydrator and it turns into a big pizza which back to the future was kind of off on that i will admit that they didn't quite have the idea of what it was going to come up as but i just you know that's all i i'm i really want to help with this I do okay. like impossible meat. I do like it. You want to be, so you're applying, you're using the podcast to apply as a, a vegan meat taste tester. But I'm still going to do the podcast. Okay. It's, I this, was worried. This would, I was very worried because this is what you'd be able to make 10 times the amount you do <laughs> from the podcast by doing this. This would be. I'm the pickiest eater, the pickiest meat eater with the most guilt. This it's would. rare. It's rare. This would be, and here's the thing, this would be a part-time job for me. I still have to talk, but I think, you know, I would do it. That's just the way I am. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah, I would do it. I promise. So, uh, you want to take some calls? Yeah, let's take some calls. I got to go. Somebody in the chat, though, New World Order, I, I want to say this, Costco's veggie sausage patties are good morning snacks. I don't believe it. I've had several. I tried to go vegetarian. I tried a bunch of vegetarian sausages, and they all gnarled me out by the end. You know, it was just like, oh, I, I, I don't like this, you know. But. Yeah. All right. Um, This first one is, uh, we've got Lillian, who... 
Uh, let me see if I can find the number here. Lillian from Denver. From uh, Denver. With a serious issue. Calling the podcast. Hey, thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, it's Lillian. Hello. Oh, that's who I thought it was. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, so, so Lillian, uh, are you one of the defendants in the case, or are you just the the information pipeline? No, I am one of the defendants. Oh my goodness! Uh, well, my heart goes out to you. For those of you who don't know, uh, last summer uh, there was arrests, some arrests in Denver for the protests um, for Elijah McCain, McLean. Sorry, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners saw that story and followed along with it. Um, but if you want to share. Um, or actually, if you have any fast food opinions as well, you know, we would take those. But uh, we'd also love to hear your story. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I would have been so grateful if someone had reversed on a, on a roadway to uh, inform me of any free Popeye sandwiches. But <laughs> thank you. Uh, I was grateful. I will say I was grateful. I, I couldn't put myself in his shoes, though. <laughs> I started thinking, like, would I do that for somebody? And no, I wouldn't do that. So I just feel um, he almost made me feel bad. At later, that doesn't. So he may be a better man than you. Yeah, he is a better no. man than me. Um. Yeah. Well, should we talk about Elijah McLean? Yes, please. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your audience probably has heard Elijah McLean's na name now. Um, but if they haven't, uh, Elijah McLean was a 23-year-old black man who lived in Aurora, Colorado. Um, you know, Aurora is a, a suburb of Denver. It's a, it's a big suburb. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really, yeah, it's more, it has more of like a small town kind of vibe to it. And he was walking home from the convenience store uh, in his own neighborhood and he was dancing the music in his headphones. Someone called the cops reporting someone who appeared, uh, you know, acting odd. And the Aurora police pulled up, uh, three officers got out and within seconds of getting out of their cars, they put this young man suspected of no crime in a chokehold they dropped him to the ground. They continued to choke him out. And in fact, they brutally, horribly tortured him for 18 minutes. Um, and, you know, he was losing consciousness. The paramedics arrived. They injected him with a powerful sedative, uh, such a massive dose of, <laughs> of ketamine um, that it, it would have sedated a man twice his size. Um, and Elijah at that point was already dying. Um, and that was certainly the, the nail in the coffin. And Elijah McLean went into, uh, a coma and he never woke up. And this horrible, horrible murder, um, just this, this, I, I mean, it's, it's absolutely torture what happened to him. Um, and this was caught on the body cam footage of other officers who had showed up on the scene. The three cops who were, uh, doing this to Elijah all managed to knock the body cameras off of their uniforms. Whoops. And, uh, however, there were multiple other officers on the scene who were standing around just watching. 
And their uniform cameras caught this incident. And so this community, you know, we saw what happened to him and it was so clearly murder. Uh, and yet no charges, not even fired. The, the, I mean, this is how the Aurora police operate, just total impunity. And they were let walk. And so, you know, I've been one of the organizers who from the very beginning since August 2019 um, has been working to bring accountability to this case. Um, yeah, and now we're really paying for it. Yeah, um, it, it's an awful story. And, and uh, you know, I believe he played violin. He was like a prolific musician, right? Yes, he was. He's known for being just this incredible person who was really gentle and kind and, you know, cheerful. He played, he was a massage therapist who would go on his lunch breaks to the local animal shelter and play violin for the cats who were waiting to be adopted. I mean, that's the kind of person who the police just came and immediately choked out and beat until he, until he died. I did. I, I I have heard the name and I've read stories about it. I had no idea that the police carried ketamine around like that. I, is, is they that called like a normal the paramedics. Thing? It was paramedics. Paramedics brought ketamine and just shot this guy yeah, up with the thing. It is normal. Yeah, they didn't have anything. They don't have like Valium or like Xanax on that thing. It's ketamine that they're giving people. That is something. Uh, this is like a. Go ahead. I mean, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge issue, especially because like they're they're so. I mean, this case is like the you know quintessential example of why they should not be allowed to do this. I mean, everything about what was done to Elijah and specifically with the ketamine is just like so blatantly racist. The the paramedics that show up on the scene, they actually showed up six or seven minutes before they administered the ketamine and they just stood there talking to the cops. They're looking at this, this young, small person dying on the ground. They don't check him. They don't, they don't administer any care. I mean, to them, they're, they're there to help the cop, uh, you know, take care of this suspect, not to, you know, provide care. They're clearly, you know, in, in auxiliary to the auxiliary to the cops. Um, and then, you know, they see this, he's 140 pounds and they see this small dying black man and they estimate his weight to be uh, over 200 pounds. And then they give him such a massive dose of ketamine. I mean, these are not medical professionals who are making an objective decision based on somebody's, you know, medical needs. It's horrifying. And they, they use, I don't know if y'all have heard of this thing called like excited delirium. It's this like total bullshit, pseudoscientific, um, you know, phenomenon that they always cite when, when there's excessive force used against, um, people in police custody and, and very, very many times it's black people in police custody. They say, you know, when you're being choked specifically, but when you're being beat, like your body goes into a, a fight or flight and starts like, you know, physically resisting. And then the police say, Oh, you have excited delirium. You, you've assumed, superhuman strength uh-huh. and so they have to apply totally inhuman like force and torture and then drugging in order to put you down and then they die and then it's like oh well their body was so their body was just so uh irritated yeah. it was so uh that that they just died on their own yeah so 
That that's awful. That's awful. And and so uh the the police do this and then you know, we don't want to get you in any trouble or anything, but uh so then there's a response from the community and and what brought the protests to happen? Was it was it immediately after the case or after the cops got away with no charges or Yeah, um so, you know, August 2019, that's a pretty long time ago. Um we there were phases, you know, so first it was vigils and trying to bring attention to this case and that was an immediate um but then when you know, the, it became clear they were going to let these killers walk. They were going to protect them and say nothing was wrong here. And in fact, they right. did stuff like uh, classifying Eliza as a suspect um, so that they, you know, could continue to characterize the case and make him sound like it was justified and um, also deny the McLean family any uh, just basic re- re- um, restitution, like for funeral costs, by labeling them suspects. But in any case, so after that, was clear that they were letting the killers walk. Well, then, you know, we were having these protests, going to city council, you know, demanding, like, this is not acceptable. But at that time, you know, Aurora is this suburb, like I said. It has this, like, small-town vibe. There really wasn't a big movement to to mobilize. Mm -hmm. And so we were... There were maybe a few dozen activists who really... And community members who were, you know, standing with the family through this. But it was during um, when George Floyd was murdered and the entire country just ignited with just outrage rightfully at not just George Floyd's murder, but just this epidemic of police terror and people were protesting all over the place. So that happened in Denver and um, my organization, which is the party for socialism and liberation, we were leading some of these really massive protests in Denver um, and, you know, we decided, hey, we got to bring this to Aurora. Like this energy needs to come to this local case that still needs justice. And so we started bringing, you know, we, we called an action in Aurora and the response was just tremendous. People were learning about his case all over the country in the context of, you know, this, this moment. And, um, on the first day we had like, 5,000 people in the street. We marched onto the highway. Um, it got national media attention. And this is in a town that has literally never seen a protest like that ever. That's awesome. Um, and then, and then we held protest after protest after protest and just this massive movement continued peacefully. Um, but it, it was so powerful and unrelenting that it forced um, many, uh, instance, like many, many, uh, like the city council, the governor, different institutions to open these major investigations, uh, reopening the McLean case. And in fact, even opening the possibility for criminal charges once again, which is just huge. Um, and this, then, you know, obviously this was really shifting the forces in Aurora, I mean, the people were standing up and saying, this is, we're done with this. Like we demand justice and we demand accountability and we're, we're not going to stop until we see it. Right. Um, and this really powerful movement, um, that's what is now being, you know, that's what APD wants to crush. They teamed up with the, um, 
with the prosecutors, the district attorneys, one of the, and I, I don't think I've even said it for the audience, but we, um, we're being charged with myself, um, Joel Northam, Eliza Lucero, Terrence Roberts. Um, we all were leaders of these massive peaceful protests and we were all arrested on September 17th in this really sensational way. I mean, they sent a freaking tank to one of the organizers' houses, Joel, um, and a SWAT team. They surrounded my car while I was driving. Um, they put us in jail and then they held us in jail for eight days, which is like extremely uh, unorthodox. I mean, it's just, it's illegal. I, you can't just hold people um, for that long. And this is during coronavirus. And then we find out we're being charged with dozens of felonies and misdemeanors, including, I mean, I myself have 25 charges, 12 of them felonies, uh, which could mean 48 years in prison. And uh, one of the charges was um, attempted kidnapping of 18 police officers for holding a protest outside of a police station. No, fucking Um, Jesus. Yes, but actually, just this week, we had this incredible victory. Um, We, Because it's such a high-level felony, we're entitled to this special type of hearing, which is called a preliminary hearing, where the the prosecution is supposed to prove that they have probable cause. They have to meet just like the the minimum legal threshold to say, okay, we have enough here to take you to trial on this charge. And we had that just for the kidnapping charge. Um, And that's only myself, Eliza, and Joel have that charge, and it carries 12 to 24 years. And um, this, this preliminary hearing, I mean, typically it's just like a formality. I mean, it's nearly a formality. It, they, they just pass these charges on. Um, there's like the lowest possible burden of proof for, or, or yeah, burden of proof, burden of um whatever they they barely have to do anything to get this through Mm -hmm. and the judge threw out the kidnapping charge in court this week which was just enormous enormous a huge statement about the case yeah Yeah. oh man that's a huge i mean i still have 24 more charges oh gosh and uh i mean we applaud 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 you uh that's so fucking awful and and I hope for the best, um, but how can we help? Like, what what can Street Fight people do to to help with it with you, your case? Thank you. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is really for people to be talking about this and sharing it, um, signing the petition, sharing the social media. There was a there's a initiative that was formed by people who are paying attention to this all over the country, including you know big uh, constitutional and civil rights lawyers, you know, labor leaders who are seeing this like really dangerous retaliatory case. And they formed this thing called the National Committee for Justice in Denver. And it has a website um, and social media where people can, fi- can see like all of the, the different ways to support. Um, and so the, the website is denverdefense.org. And the social media is on Instagram and Facebook um, at Justice in Denver. But, uh, I, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is making sure that there's light on this case because, you know, that's really the only thing that holds these cops accountable. I mean, we know how lawless they can be. Um, but, you know, there's a petition 
we certainly could use donations. We have, we, I mean, we've been at this for six months. Yeah. And if it goes to trial, we'll be at it much longer. And you need um, money is the only thing that gets but, you out of those charges. I mean, I've had much smaller weed charges, but the only reason it's only because I could pay a lawyer, the, a, an expensive lawyer, was I able to get out of charges, not comparing situations, but just really just stressing that like money is it will help as much money as you can help donate. Please do listeners. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know how messed up the system is. And then like, but to see it firsthand is really something like the amount of money it costs just to get your discovery. It's crazy. Like they want thousands of dollars um, to get, you know, different requests and uh, it's, it's just wild. But um, yeah, that, and if, if people are listening and you're part of an organization or you're part of, you know, or, or you're someone who could lend their endorsement to this and speak out against this, you know, in that capacity or hold a film screening, there's a documentary called In Defense of Justice in Denver, 30 minutes, you know, really encapsulating the case. Um, all of that is like just so critical. Um, so yeah, you can find all of that, all of those, you know, different ways of supporting on denverdefense.org. We can get that, that documentary up on the Twitters too. I, yeah. I will, uh, I will post it right now on my account. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we'll reach out. I, I'm going to send you an email too, about maybe, uh, some other platforms so we could get the documentary on. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for calling and thanks for doing you, you you did the right thing and you 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 know like we all you know agree with what you did and and think that it's time to stop this and it's going to take a lot of bravery and courage and the state is going to do every, play every little trick in the book and they have a lot of them. So I just hope you stay strong and, yeah. and I hope the best and and I'll stay in touch with you and and we'll spread the word. Thank you so much. Thank you Yo, for calling. Appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for what you do. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. Have a you good too. Night. Yeah, that's rough. I couldn't have even joked around about a chicken sandwich if I if I was going through that. Very uh tough. Uh, that, those kind of situations are crazy. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it changes overnight. Um you know, when they were kettling people in DC for the J 20, that was one of those things where it was just like, I do not want to find out, you know, what happens on the other side of the kettle. Yeah. 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 And, and you don't, you don't know how quickly and even what's going to happen to you, you, you know, they, and, and they, if, if you, if the thing about it is if you really hurt them, if you make the police feel scared, they kidnapping 18. Yeah. Police. Such bullshit. Here, yeah, man. You know, I watch this TV show called The Shield, and I see how corrupt these police are. You know what I They're mean? They're all Vic Mackeys. They're every single fucking last... There's no duck to wagon box on the police force. Only Vic Mackeys, you know? And it's it's just they, they will put their power on you and all that stuff. It's just... I it, it really that shit bums me out. I, I just the 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 cops taking revenge on people when they're the fucking for pointing out that they're the fucking murderers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you ready for this next one? Let's do it. I believe we've got uh Cole James Cash. Cole James Cash. Yes. Uh Okay. Formerly of Ghetto News Network. I don't know if he's still doing it. No, hey, Cole, no, no, how's it going? It 
Ming, Ming, what's up, man? Ming TV owns that name. I sold it to him. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what what they did was, um, I got I took a buyout, and then in turn, I um got picked up by them to have a show. And basically bringing the Ghetto News Network to uh, Main TV. So what I do now is um, I do the Cold James Cash Show, which is basically like um, anything I want to talk about or discuss on my on my YouTube show. I don't cover really Washington politics. Uh-huh. I don't cover really like you know, put it like this, man. Like Sam Cedar, he's on at twelve, right? He's doing Washington. My homegirl Nomiki, she's on you know at like three four. You know, and Gasparian and them, they aren't like fossil. How, how am I going to do it any different from them? If Ben Dixon, the only Ben Dixon's already covering it, then I got to pivot somewhere else, you know? <laughs> no, and so I agree. Like, uh, we do, we uh, do our politics thing, yeah, and then, like, when we do paid content mm-hmm. or we do our own stuff, it's like, I'm not, I want to talk about, like, goofy shit I saw online or, like, a weird movie or some, or music I like. Also, even, even just, like, to, to back up what you were saying there a minute ago, it's like, when me and Brett started kind of doing this, there wasn't anybody else doing it. So it was like, uh, we can just cover anything we want. We didn't have a beat, really. We just were leftists doing a podcast about politics. So we would just cover fucking, you know, Washington politics um, and stuff like that. But then all these people started doing left podcasts and covering like different sections. They had different beats where they did it much better than we did and it made us narrow down what we're good at and do that. So so I'm with you on that one. Well, it was it was my friend Michael Brooks who told me to start a podcast. He literally told me to do it, you know? Um because what would happen is is uh I'll just give you some background about me. I'm I'm from East Oakland, man. Um I grew up in the hood, man. I grew up, you know, around a lot of, you know, fun stuff going on. So, you know, whether it be dope, murder, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined the military um, yeah, before September 11th and then got out, right? And then um, I, since then, I, I worked in the group home, my teenage group home sector for about eight years. And then up until two months ago, when I moved to Canada, um, I was working at a homeless shelter. So what would happen is I call, I would call Sam, I'll call Sam Cedar, right? And I'd be, you know, I'd just be messing with them, you know, and they really liked me. Um, Jamie Pegg is a very close friend of mine, very close confidant. Mm-hmm. And so basically, man, like, um, I told Michael, I'm like, look, man, like, a lot of these leftists, man, like, I rock with them and this and that, but they ain't talking to, to nobody who ain't already listening, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I told Michael that too. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yo, man, like, um, you know, um, I can, and Ben, ben Dixon had kind of told me the same thing that he was like, yo, man, we got to have people that's talking to our people, you know? Um, because like I said, you know, um, I don't have no beef with no black intellectuals except for Nico House. He ain't no intellectual. But for the most part, a lot of um, black commentators are really speaking more or less to, to a white audience from a, for a, from a black point of view. Um, like, that's that's how I looked at it, you know? Yeah. My- and so for me, I was like, yo, I'm I'm you and all that, man. I'm going I'm going all in. I'm like, yo, I love porn, you know? I'll be watching, I'll be watching fights, you know, this and that and the other. Like, yeah. um, I even had this thing for a minute. Um, I used to call it, um, I used to call it gangster left, meaning like, yo, I'm a leftist to the fullest, man. I don't need no title. I don't need none of that, man. I lived there. I worked in, you know, whether it be the group home or the homeless sector, right. I lived there, you know, but For it sure. also means that I will, you know, I will, I will gladly, you know, handle business if it need to come to that, you know? 
Um, yeah. Uh, and so it's just one of those things, man, where, go ahead. My, yeah, my dude, uh, Big Tim, said that uh, he was like, a lot of leftist podcasts are for nerds. And uh, there needs to be just more street people that know what the <laughs> fuck is up. Well, here's the thing. I'm a nerd like crazy, man. I watch wrestling. True. The video games, man. Like, I'm a nerd. Like, it's, lot, it's lots of nerds in the hood. But the thing is, is like, um, you get you get these characters like uh, Dr. Umar Johnson, Tariq Nasheed, who what they want to do is they want to position, they want to position black folks in this like, um, you can't negotiate when you don't have nothing to take from somebody, you know, and they're, they're willing to work, you know, put out these right wing talking points and this and that. I'm like, yo, yeah. these guys are appealing. And I'm like, nah, man, like that's got to stop. Cause what they'll do is they'll, they'll say something like against the police. Right. And then they'll mention something like anti-immigrant at the same time where it's halfway right ring and then halfway not. But the thing is, is those guys are charismatic. That was so the I was same. Like, Yo, man, we need some of that on our side. That was the same for our show too. For me, like I, w- I mean, I'm a redneck. And uh, Alex Jones made a lot of sense to me when he was like, the police want to put you in jail and put everybody in jail. And it was like, yeah, that's for real. And then he's also like, they're lizards too. Or like, you know, they're giving preferential treatment or some sort of right wing bullshit. And it was just like, okay, I don't think that's all the way right. You know? Yeah. And also, man, like, so, so pretty much I started my show a couple of years ago. Um, I was on Jesse Lee Peterson for about a minute and a half before he cut me off. Um, and then um, I had a, um, you know, I had a, uh, I got into it with uh, Destiny um, because I, I was on a debate stream, but I told him, ain't no debating because he was making, I guess he was, it was about him making jokes with the hard word, hard N word. And one of his oh, streaming no. friends that was black told him he didn't like that. And just told him that he didn't like that, you know? So I was invited on the, the, the stream with Destiny and, I, and I, I didn't have no debate. I told him straight up, it's not going to be no discussion. In fact, I, if I if I run into you at one of these Twitch events, I'm going to ask you to make that hard N-word joke in front of me and let's see what time it really is and you ain't got no watch on your wrist. You know, you can't you can't let certain things slide like that. I'm all about unity, but so at some point, man, some of these tests, man, you got to talk to them and tell them. And he, you know, him and his, his fans and him hated me and this and that. He was cursing this and that, but I tell Bouch this, man. I tell Bouch all the time. You want to have a debate about something that ain't debatable. You know, like any word debate, you know, it's, that's not gonna work like that, man. Yeah, and you know, I, so yeah. it's like that. My my perspective was that. Yeah, I mean, making jokes when no one's around to check you, really, just because you know, you know, because you got the the time, uh, and and you don't have to stand up to nobody or defend it, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, and then, um, I just wanted to say like I the re- but one of the reasons why one of the things I really got on was for one, Michael helped push me, you know. Uh-huh. And, and Jamie helps out a lot, but also like, um, also, um, basically like there was this one time, you know, uh, my, my friend Jake Flores. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. We know Jake. We've toured with them. Yeah. What we were going oh, to. Yeah. yeah. So, so Jake, one time, man, I, I, I tweeted something at Chapel Trap House and I said, I told him straight up, man. I was like, yo, man, like, y'all, y'all be having, you know, no type of black folks on your show and, and no type of Latinos. Nobody likes that, but you, it's called Capital Trap House. I'm like, yo, like, nah, man. Like, I, I tell them you should have to pay a street tax for even using that name. <laughs> then what happened was, is I said this, I said this on this podcast, right? Then, um, because I, I was a member of the East Bay DSA up until I left. Okay, what happened was, was um, two Capital showed up, Virgil and um, 
Matt Chrisman to our, um, it was a, um, like a event at the DSA because we was doing work on Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So you got to understand, man, like, like I'm not going to just say something on a podcast because that's respect to what I said, but I'm not going to say something on a podcast and then not come tell you to your face. Sure. So I told him straight up, like, um, that's all straight up. I'm like, yo, man, um, you know, I saw Trap on Trap House, but I don't see no Trap Negroes on your show. I said, y'all need to rock with me. You know, I said, and, and he, you know, Matt was like, uh, first, Matt looked a little scared because I did have a, you know, I, I, I had my folks with me, but the thing is, is like, you know, I told him that, right? And he, he was trying to explain, like, look, it's irony. And I said, yeah, my brother went to prison and in the hood, it ain't no irony. You know, I said, if, right. uh, you know, if it's just irony, why you got to be a, a, a chapel and then trap it? Because I said, you're not rewarding the people who gave you that, that, that uh, style to run with with that name. So what ended up happening was, is that, that, that Twitter video went all over the place. Um, I'm bad from Twitter now. But um, pretty much, man, like, um, Felix Biederman got at me. And he was like, yo, I appreciate that, right? So I invited Felix on the show. And I, pick, um, I told him straight up, like, I grilled him. I said, yo, them Red Scare class reductions can't y'all rock with? Nah, man. No, absolutely not. And I told him, I was like, when young white folks talk about identity politics, uh, sometimes y'all be extra with it, you know? Right. And I said, I said, you know, I, I said, like, and, and I, I tried to explain to him that the concept of a street tax, I said, you know, all these folks, you know, whether it be prison industrial complex, whether it be what's going on at the border, whether it be, you know, doking, whatever, y'all profiting off that. I was, I was like, let me, I told Felix, like, let me tell you something. I could walk into a trap house for real and convert people, you know, to our movement. I literally had to do it in the DSA. Right. You can't. You know, so why don't you, you know, I said, he was, and I remember, I was like, oh, we got Justin Jackson. I was like, man, do you say, he's a running back. Do we sound like a trap Negro? Do you don't use the word Negro because I know y'all switch. And so pretty much, man, it's like, um, you know, that caught a lot of people's attention because those guys are cool, man. You know, they, they, they rock with me, but everybody want to kiss their ass, you know, and they respected it a lot more than I said what I said, you know? No, I agree. And like I had a legitimate right. No, mad respect. I mean, and it's right. I mean, it doesn't have to be nothing bad feelings or anything like that, but uh, you got a point. Like, you, you scored it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, a couple months after that, um, Naomi from Means TV got a hold of me, and uh, I sold my show, right? And put it to you like this, man. Like, for a guy like me who's, you know, been through some out of hard upbringing, went to the military, um, I, I, had a, I have a heroin addiction, you know, went to rehab. Um, I got shot. Um, I took a couple bullets during a robbery in 2016. Right. I got shot twice in my in my in my left leg, right? And then um, I you know I had to recover from that. And then like it, it just, I guess the best way the best way I could put it, man, was like there's some ups and downs in my life. Yeah. And um, I, I told I told I told I told me I was like, look, I need to get paid enough to where you know because I built this on my own. I need to get paid enough to where if it don't work out with y'all, I got something to take with it. And I told them how much of a, pr- a price my boy was willing to sell me a car, and they gave it to me because I told them like, "Yo, this will improve my life for, like crazy." And then I also told them, you know, I, you know, she wasn't my wife yet, but basically made prepared to make a movie Canada, you know. Yeah. So you know, it, it was a life changing event doing doing that podcast. And like I said, when you know, pulling up on Chapo, what I said, I respect most of them folks over there, man. But it needed to be said. And so pretty much, man, like, um, you know. I always would joke like, yo, man, you know, if you ain't been to the strip club, if you ain't been to the strip club throwing $1 bills, my show ain't for you, you know? If you ain't never stole out of the supermarket, my show ain't for you. Like, I joke like that, but the reality is, is like, 
yeah, man, like, I really didn't do it, you know? Like I said, yeah. I know what it's like to get clapped up. I know what it's like, all that. So it's like, it, 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 you know, everybody, it, you know, you can't, you can't have communism if you don't commune. Right. You can't have socialism if you don't socialize. So for me, it's like, I live by this, man. Like, if someone has something to say, I put him on the show and I interview him. I interviewed a cat that uh, did 10 years of prison. He's a former Latin king, and he's basically a communist now. And I brought him in to talk about the subject. But I be telling Kaz, man, like, if you really about this working class, why do you have to have clout to get on? Right. Why do you have, why should anyone have to have anything? And, you know, because like I said, man, it's like, uh, you know, in order to take away from this concept that communism is just a quote unquote white thing, I be telling Kaz, man, whether it be Africans or First Nations, we've been had that, you know? You know, it was inherent to our communities. We didn't need a cult figure like Marx, you know, to, to make that happen. I can tell the cats all the time, it really don't matter what you call yourself, because it'd be a lot of stupid asses that call themselves and and this and that and the other. Um, and it'd be a lot of cats who throw around socialism. But what do you do? What do you do when you're not logged in? Who you are when you're not logged into that Twitter account, that's who you are. You know? Um, and I tell cats that all the time. So all these cats, you know, like that TV show on the Hill, you know, you want to play games with fascists in the cross and you this and that. And you want to play, you want to play the, you know, fast productions game. Like, no, man, you know, they do what they do, but I'm not even going to waste my time with that. My show is for my people, whether it be blacks or Latinos, and I keep it like that. And any white folks that's along with it, no, I appreciate the, I appreciate the help. You know, I appreciate the help. But at the same time, man, like, just like y'all talk to y'all folks, you know, I got to talk to mine. Yeah. And, um, they really like that. So, so pretty much uh, right off the Cold James Cash Show. And also I got signed to, um, Means Morning News. Um, to, to co-produce segments and as a, as a correspondent. That's great. Um, because my show, my, our show, my show is not going to be ready for a little while. So, um, yeah, I got, I got picked up and, um, it's funny, man, like living up here in Canada, I'll just tell y'all real quick. I got in a horrific accident. As I told you, I got in this horrible accident, man. And like, I, I have a torn ACL, my tibia and fibula are broken. And then I, my foot did damn near a 180. So <laughs> that, that ripped my ankle apart, yeah, damn near apart. So. Um, like I, I fell on the ice, man. And then, so like, you went, I went to the hospital, this and that and the other. And I was like, I, you know, the pain in the leg, it's supposed because remember I got shot in my left leg. Now my right leg, like, I'm pretty much like, you know, I'm never going to be the same again, huh? You know? Yeah. But the thing is, is that like, I, I'm in the hospital, right? And we, I mean, you know, I, I've been there like for a couple of days and I remember, you know, me and my wife were telling like, yo, man, like, we can't afford this, you know? Cause wait, I'm thinking about American standards. And the surgeon was like, listen to me. We're not going to bankrupt you. And he was like, don't even strip off that, this and that, and the other. That's right. So I put it to you like this. With no insurance, okay, we, we, did, we had to come out of our savings. Um, we paid 800 up front, right? And then um, basically what we did pay for was the out-of-pocket, like we and, and the out-of-pocket, like medical equipment, things like that. And I'm just going to tell y'all, man, like I, I, I showed Naomi the bill. She said she couldn't believe it, but she was also like emotional because America is a scam. Put it like this. My bill was less than a grand for two surgeries and five days in a hospital. They waived the, um, they waived the night at the hospital. They waived that. So you gotta understand, like, we still ended up going through our savings like four or five grand, right? Um, and that money was actually for my wife to get her tubes untied so we could have a family. So it's like, the only reason I need to go for me is because we went through our savings, you know, right, and right. pay for the out of pocket med, and, and if it then now the out of pocket medical stuff, that is a couple grand, okay? 
Right, but like, if, if if I if I twist my ankle super bad and I gotta go to my like emergency account that's got a thousand dollars in it, like that, I'm not gonna be as affected as if all of a sudden uh, there's a lien on my house and car and I got collectors calling me all the time for several hundred thousand dollars surgery. Exactly. I mean, a surgeon was literally saying, like, look, we're not going to bankrupt you. And like I said, they waived the private room. I was there in a, uh, uh, for about five days. Um, I live in um, Sudbury, Sudbury, Ontario. Um, you understand, this is like a small mining town. So being from East Oak and being from the hood, out near Silicon Valley, moving to this, it's, it's an adjustment, you know. But it, it was just unbelievable to me, the treatment I got. Like I said, you know, they did, they, they got, you know, I, all this, you know, was, was cool, like I said, like I sent y'all a go, I do have to do a GoFundMe because like I said, just, um, we went through our savings, you know, but I, the amount we went through our savings, like we can get it back reasonably. And, um, hopefully through the GoFundMe, we can do that, she, she, you know, so she can get her operation. But in America, that would have costed me like 60 grand, man. No, sure. it, it needs. Well, and, and, and it was just, it just, I just couldn't believe it, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling in. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm, I'm going to call you on the phone uh, off the air and uh, and wrap with you and see if we can figure out some stuff. I, I'd love to to get more involved with what you're doing. Uh, and, and the chat wants to know where they can find find more of what you do. Okay. Just go to um, patreon.com slash Cole James Cash Show. Can I? Uh, you can also... Um, I, I, uh, yeah, uh, patreon.com slash Cole James Cash Show. And you can also go to YouTube.com slash Ghetto News Network. Um, I was doing the show every day up until I got injured and I, I can't, you know, I haven't been able to move, but the show is normally five days a week at 5 p.m. for about an hour. Um, I have about 18 correspondents and, but yeah, like I, I haven't been back for, this is my first appearance in a month. Um, and because I'm starting to feel comfortable, you know, sitting down. But yeah, pretty much, man, like I, um, you know, if you, you know, that some, you guys supposed to go from me and chat. If I'm not on Twitter, but if you could, we post that to, um, what you call it, uh, your, your Twitter and all that, that'd be big help. Oh, yeah. Y'all can holler at me and, and, you know, y'all can see me on Beans Morning News in a couple weeks. Right. Um, I should be making a couple appearances a month, you know? Before so you... It's all good, man. I appreciate that. Before you hang up, I have to ask you something now. Uh, what kind of wrestling but, are you into? What, what, what kind of wrestling are you watching? Okay. There's a... Video majority report where I talked about living with um, Latino Trump supporters, and I literally introduced myself as NJPW because I didn't know what to call myself. <laughs> so, um, you know, New Japan, you do keep yeah, it real. Yeah. New Japan, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, at, at the time, um, at the time, like Kenny Omega and Okada had that five star match. Yep, um, fuck yeah. Like I said, you know. Um, I mean, I guess, and I think the G1 Climax is going on, man. Like, you know, I, I rock with New Japan. You know, let me put it like this. I love Chris Jericho, the character, but Chris Irvine is a piece of shit. Yeah, he sucks. Know? Oh, absolutely. Like, wrestling is just... It, He's so talented. Wrestling is just an inherently... Yeah, but wrestling is such an inherently scumbag-ass sport, but I do like it how in Japan, they treat it with some seriousness, you know? Yeah. I don't mind WWE. I do, I do like it. I, when Vince goes, I think it'll be better. Cause then you have booking that makes sense, you know. But for me, man, I, yo, I'm, I love New Japan and I like to check out NXT, you know. I rock with a little AAW, you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, man, did like, you watch you the, the Brit Breaker yeah, Thunder Rosa? No, it's no, good. I haven't. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm behind on a lot of things. 
I'm pro. I'm an AEW. Me and Brett. This is a very firmly AEW podcast. We went to their first like four pay per views live. <laughs> like so, we You're talking about um, the the one. Yeah, we went to All In, uh, Double or Nothing, Double or nothing oh. and All Out the the next year, and then started it started to fall apart we weren't able to make them but yeah we, we were went, at the first few we went in cleveland to one of the sh- yeah we teams. went to a dynamite up in cleveland but yeah we're i'm 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 a huge i love AEW and and like jericho was a guy that i thought was washed and uh didn't give a shit about him and then when he showed up in japan and in in new japan and in yeah. AEW, i was just i was just fucking blown away that a character like that could exist just the the judas character yeah he brought back the lion tamer yeah and it was like i said man it's like you know um i i you know i love it i used to i used to i used to clown i used to clown like i used to make a reference that nobody would really get and i'd be like yo man y'all you know, I, 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 y'all, y'all messing with me in my hood, man. Like I, I called, I told that she said, "You mess with me in my hood, yo, you're getting a burning hammer, no kickouts. Don't mess with me, man." <laughs> will you know, like I, 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 you know, I make all kinds of little, little, little references like that. But yeah, thanks for having me on. For having me on. Um, I've tried to call several times, and I can never get on. And I said to him, "I was like, no, you know, how, how do I even get on?" You're never not? try. And she was like, "Yeah, man, I'm like, art too." You never have to try again. You just yeah, got to yeah. get a hold of one of us, and we'll get you on. I got you. Yo, thanks so much. And thanks for listening to my beats, man. If you Google my name, I'm actually more known for my music than my podcast. Yo, you're good at music. You're really good at music, too. Y'all check it out. Thank you. Thanks for calling. All right, guys. Thanks for your, thanks for your assistance. Bye. You too. Have a good night. Always got it. Somebody brings up, I'm a nerd. I'm into wrestling. I'm like, wait, let's find out how much of a nerd you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm a motherfucking nerd. It is also it's into wrestling. <laughs> it's also interesting when I say like when I say like the DSA is nerds or something, or like the, the left is nerds, they also are snooty nerds. Like what he what he he treats wrestling as nerdery, that's interesting to me because that's it is a very nerdy thing. It's intense how much you can overthink wrestling. Yeah. From like the booking to the way the matches are conducted to the backroom antics to the social media to the dirt sheets to the actual storylines. There is so much data to pour over. Yeah. You can really like the way the dirt sheets, I like I, I am a dirt sheets. I love the dirt sheets. I love that fucking behind the scenes stuff. I'm like so interested in how they put it together and and then even just like you said inside the match it's like how the fuck do two guys that don't speak the same language put on a fucking <laughs> coordinated uh, uh uh fight you know what i mean like how does that even work so like you'll be watching like okay i think he's like kind of you know, like I'll be watching, I'll be like, I think he's like kind of slapping him on this leg before he hits him on that. Like, I'll try to figure it out. I don't think I have, I still don't have it figured out. I right. think it's really something you got to do to understand. I, I, I just don't think guys like us could ever understand it just from looking at it. So, yeah. and it, it is, it's funny because it's like, uh, anytime somebody says they're a nerd about something, I, it immediately like catches my attention. And it's like, cause you know, I've said this to you a million times and like, as far as like documentaries that I watch is like, I don't watch a ton of like political documentaries. What I watch is my fascination 
is documentaries about really specific groups of people that do yeah. very specific things. Like, yeah. I'll fucking sit and Niche. watch a movie about fucking people that, like, their whole life is playing Scrabble. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I get Love way it. into that. Like, with this, I watched a whole movie, a whole ass documentary, 90 minutes at least, about people who do Rubik's Cubes. And was just, like, go to Rubik's Cube conventions... And like speed run Rubik's cubes and like get them done like eight seconds and shit. Yeah. And just like it's not about like what they do. It's not like like I'm like I am impressed that you can get a Rubik's cube done in eight seconds. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm really interested in is like what type of person gets way into Rubik's cubes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah, some of the that has intense focus. Maybe yeah. you need to avoid some, everything else about your life and I just mean, focus on your speed. And from what I notice, it's like more of a kid's thing. And I, I think what really happens is somebody, these kids grow up looking at YouTube and like, uh, uh, I'm sure one of them just catches a fucking YouTube video up with a guy or a girl or a non-binary, a, a person going and doing the, the Rubik's Cube in eight seconds. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to do the Rubik's Cube in eight seconds. Because I'm that type of dude. Like, I'll see somebody do something. I'll be like, I'm going to learn how to do that. Then I never learn how to do it. But I say I'm going to in the minute. And, like, there are people that are way more dedicated than me I, who are like, I'm going to fucking learn how to do this and do it. I had a Rubik's Cube phase at the exact same time as her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I kept it with anytime I saw one, I would just show people yeah. that I could do it. It's crazy. I could never. I could never. It's there's only like four moves. There's, never figured it, it out. It's just, you just do like if the it, it really once you look at it, it just it's like doing your times tables. Like it just becomes easy to figure. Clack 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 clack. You like you know how to move each one. There's there's just a code for each one. It seems it literally. Every I don't time remember I've it ever at had all. one in my I hand. I smoked it all away. Every time I've ever had one in my hand, it has felt impossible. And I've looked at it and been like, this is like an actually impossible puzzle for me. Maybe for other people, this is like, oh, I can look at this. And this is, you know what I mean? But for me, I look at it and I'm like, no, I can't make this happen. Like, I, I just don't understand how. Well, okay, so there's two greens and a blue in this row. Well, how the fuck am I going to get rid of that blue and get a green over there? The green's all the way on the other side of the goddamn cube. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like, I give up. I, I don't know. I, I'll never learn it. You yeah. know, but I, one of my favorite memories um, is when I moved to Texas, when we moved away from Ohio, we did a garage sale with all of our stuff. And there was a Rubik's, the Rubik's cube that I learned on. Mm -hmm. I threw it to the side and lost my talents. I was selling it in this very old man, 70-year-old man in a, a beat-up white shirt, walks up to the table. He picks it. He looks at it. He does the thing. It's not as fast. It's not eight seconds. He just does the click, 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 click. He does not I'm watching him. I'm watching him. And he hands it to him, and he's all proud. And he's like, I never forgot how to do those things. And then he says, man. I tell you what, when you get to be my age, they finally give you the good pills. He's, <laughs> he's like, I'm soaring like a kite right now. <laughs> and I finally, I'm, I, they finally believe me that this is all I needed to feel happy. <laughs> he was like fucking <laughs> convinced his whole song. I was like, all right. And I was like, do you want to buy the Rubik's cube? And he was like, 
Well, no, I already did it. And I was Are like, oh, fuck. <laughs> That's good. I love it was that. very weird. Yeah. Erica still brings it up. She's like, you remember that old guy that did the, U- the, the Rubik's Cube? Of course I do. Yeah, yeah. And you don't forget a guy that can do a Rubik's Cube. I've never seen somebody do one in front of me. So it's pretty cool. It, it's, I, it, I think that like... I think that if you would take three hours to watch a YouTube video and practice, you would be like, it's all a lie. People think they're smart because they can do it. All you have to know is this: these these simple motions. Right. I would end up getting mad at it. Yeah. Oh, like, oh that's I, all it was. It's like, t- it's like changing the brake. Changing your brakes on the car is more impressive than doing a, a Rubik's. No. It's it is. not. The Rubik's Cube is tough. That's Nobody a needs one. a Rubik's Cube to be done. That's true. It doesn't need to be done, but it's hard. I don't know. I love, I actually also, one of my favorite documentaries of all time, and, and it is about the dumbest thing in the world is people who play professional Monopoly. Oh, fuck them. And it's like, fuck those people. What a stupid game to like. That makes me mad. It's the worst game. It's the reason that people hate board games. <laughs> it is. The, the adult board game surge happened because all of us thought monopoly was the board game and then we found out there was other things and we were so scarred from monopoly there's plenty of people that are like they're called board games for a reason and i didn't like board games till i met you yeah i i was like no i played monopoly it's fine i mean but that's the only board game i knew monopoly and sorry (laughs) so (laughs) it's kind of like okay all right you ready to get these calls yeah let's do some got one more uh this is, uh, we got Carter Moon from the Vague Booking Podcast. What's up, Carter Calling Moon? About How's the, it uh, doing? Echo Park location, the Echo Park Lake situation. Another heavy subject here. Yes. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Park shit. <laughs> What's up? How's it going, yeah. Carter? How's, uh, how's it going? How's Echo you know, Park it's, doing? It's uh, been a rough week. <laughs> Not good. It's crazy. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you this. Let I'm... me tell you this, Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been to Echo Park. In my life, two right. times, and I love that place. And every time I picture moving yeah, really to Los cool. Angeles, I live in Echo. I live by Echo Park. It's like every single time. It's the it's it's the hip, trendy neighborhood. Especially like ten, fifteen years ago, it was the place where like it was the equivalent of Brooklyn and everything like that, and it was gentrifying. But like, does mean there's a lot of fucking cool things to do there. It's like a really iconic place. People know it from movies and TV, even if they don't know what it's called. Um, and it is a beautiful park. Um, it's the duck, but they have those duck gimmicks there. The boats that are ducks. Yeah, yeah. That's you get Echo Park boats and you, you paddle, paddle them paddle boats, Yeah, boats. I call them duck. Yeah, gimmicks. yeah. So they're, <laughs> they're really fun. But um, the whole situation that happened is that like. There's been unhoused folks who've been like camping out there and sort of forming a community for at least a few years now. And like with the pandemic, that means like people have like kind of congregated there even more. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of yeah. become a like point for like homeless folks to like organize themselves and form a community. Um, and like the, the Echo Park Rise Up like unhoused community has really been like one of the only good things to happen in the pandemic where like you've had these unhoused folks like organizing themselves into like this autonomous community where like they handle their own trash they figured out showers they figured out like a community pantry um it's really become this like amazing place where like people are taking care of each other in like a real tangible way um just any sort of like mutual aid that needs to happen has kind of like flowed out of this community where people are like protecting and taking care of each other. Um, it's 
a really, really inspiring thing. And of course, a lot of the like wealthy homeowners around the area, the piece of shit city council member, Mitch O'Farrell, um, whose office is like a block away from the park. They can't stand that like people had the audacity to like organize themselves and take care of each other when the government fucking abandoned them. Yeah. Uh, and started this pandemic. The, the, um, the government, yeah, the government so like, hasn't showed up for fucking anything. Like, it's ridiculous that right. it, at this day and age with social, like, we know what happened in other places. I can do a fucking yeah. goddamn, I can put a PlayStation headset on my head and go to China and walk around the streets and see what the fuck that they did. Like, <clears throat> the, I can read about Vietnam. Yeah. I can read about uh, New Zealand. Like, you, they exactly. fucking dropped the ball over and over and over again. And, and exactly. And I never, I never got a stimulus payment. I, I never got one, and I'm not Lots alone. Yeah. And there's lots, and right. and those people never got one either. They weren't even considered. I'm sure. No. no, they weren't even considered for a lot of different protections because, like, at the end of the fucking day, like, LA's homeless death count went from about three a day before the pandemic to four a day on average. So that's four people a day dying on the streets here in LA County. Um, there's about 50,000 people unhoused in LA County, um, 40,000 in like LA city proper. Um, it's just like gotten so much worse because like we technically have an eviction pause and everything like that, but obviously scumbag landlords are still pushing people out of their housing. Um, it's very clear that people are going to end up on the streets even more now than they were before. And people like this council member, Mitch O'Farrell are directly responsible for that like spending, you know, very prioritizing luxury housing over like public housing and affordable housing. So like this situation has been boiling for a long fucking time. Right before the pandemic started, they actually tried to clear out the park and it was blocked by a bunch of community organizations. And it's waited a whole year because the pandemic put everything on pause. But uh, last week it came out that they were going to try to clear the park again after this community had become like even stronger, even more vibrant. Um, and people made it clear they weren't going to take that line down. And on Wednesday last week, um, you know, something like 300 people showed up outside of Mitchell Farrell's office to demand to like answer their questions and answer why he's clearing out this community of people who are doing the best they can to survive. Um, and you know, he didn't show up. And in fact, by like Wednesday night, he had ordered about 400 riot cops down to the park. Uh, they had like five LAPD helicopters circling the park. Uh, and they took this entire massive park and surrounded it in fencing and basically separated the unhoused folks on the inside and trapped them inside behind the fencing and left everybody else, all the activists that were trying to help them on the outside. And they just created a, a militarized zone, basically. They created an open-air prison in the middle of this fucking park. Um, and I didn't get to see it Wednesday night. I went down there on Thursday night, but it was a fucking grim thing to see. You know, it's, it's one thing to like talk about how the cops do class warfare and they protect property over people, but to like literally physically see it with your own two eyes is fucking scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what is, yeah. what did I see? Can I ask? I got a question. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw somebody explaining that they had been given a hotel room. And that yeah, uh, um, they didn't want it, obviously. They said they were fine where they were at before. Right. But what is that part of the situation? It's, the hotel It's rooms? really fucking complicated. 
because there is this program called Project Room Key where they'll put people in a hotel room, but oftentimes they're in the hotel room for like a week or two and they get bounced right back out. Yeah, there's no way they're going to let them. restrictions. Right, there's no way they're going to let them stay there and they're probably going to not allow alcohol or any of that stuff in there. Like, it's probably another one of those. Check in at 7 p.m. Yeah. Check out at 7 a.m. Like, you're locked in your room overnight. You can't have any guests total sobriety and it's the same with the shelters the shelters are even worse where like people can't bring their possessions with them and it's like where the fuck are they supposed to take their possessions the like last things they have on planet earth um people get separated from their partners all the time there's reports of women being assaulted at them constantly and non-binary and trans folks getting assaulted constantly like there are a lot of fucking problems with the limited resources that the city uses and it's completely fucked because they have the money. Biden has promised them FEMA money to just seize hotels and convert them into housing and convert them into like more permanent shelters for folks. And they're not doing that. They're still just playing this like ticky tack bullshit of like, well, you get a week here, you get two weeks there, and then you bounce in and out. You lose your community. You lose the sense of like having a special place to go to where like you're sharing resources and you're sharing a sense of belonging and security. Um, that all gets destroyed and you just have to go through the government bureaucracy forever. Right. Um, and that's really why they can't tolerate the Echo Park community. They can't tolerate that there's like unhoused folks organizing themselves effectively and or that, being able to say no. Or that want to be there. Like that, that like they're like, right. you know, well, why won't they come stay in a hotel that where you have to get there at 7 p.m. and you have to leave at 7 a.m. and you can't have beer and you can't have people over and you can, you know, it's like living in a fucking you, rehab like, because that's the that's the shittiest yeah. thing. The way to deal with unhoused people is not just is not just to like not meet them where they're at because that's what you really want to do right. you you got to meet them where they're at and maybe they are exactly. out there because they have a drinking problem but the but the fucking thing is like it's not up to you to help it's it's not up to you to force them not to have one you know what i mean like yeah, exactly. you got to meet them where they're at who work there's tons of fucking people who work you know there's tons mm-hmm. of fucking people who like work in construction work in fast food, work wherever. And like straight up, like I just don't know how, like if you're relying on LA's like terrible bus system, how you're supposed to like get in and out on time. If you're working like a late shift at Taco Bell or whatever the fuck, I don't know how the fuck you're supposed to like adhere to these rules and everything. So they're literally like asking you to sometimes like quit your job uh, in favor of like getting this like shitty temporary shelter. Right. Um, so yeah, like the, the thing of it is though, is that like, we like like people were able to force this issue you know what i mean like they weren't able to just like shove all these people to different parts of the city and like disappear them from the lake and everything like i am really really glad that like activists were able to like make this into a thing that became like national news oh yeah like a spectacle and everything where like you you got to see like who the lapd really serves and what their real function is um you know, I was there on Thursday night and we were camped out outside of Mitchell Farrell's office and like the tactics that the riot cops used were like fucked up. They were like way worse than anything I saw at the BLM protests uh, this summer, honestly, because uh, like they had us kettled on a three sides in this intersection, just rows and rows of riot cops 
And at one point, they straight up ran an ambulance going east to west through our crowd. So we all had to move out of the way for the ambulance. And then coming west to east, they sent like a line of a dozen squad cars with their sirens on to try to intimidate us and break us out with the squad cars. And like, luckily we formed ranks and we blocked them and all the squad cars had to turn around. But like, they were fully using intimidation tactics. They like didn't give us dispersal orders where we could actually hear them. They like wouldn't talk to the National Warriors Guild. They wouldn't talk to a cop liaison that we tried to send to them. Like all the shit that's like the normal back and forth with cops at protests, they just had zero interest in doing. They basically just waited us out until about like 8.30 and then they just pressed us forward. Um, and they were using like riot cops with batons and everything, uh, pushing us back. My friend Jacob was trying to like help this like very short woman who kept getting shoved over again and again with a baton. And when they caught him like helping this woman up, this you know guy popped over with a beanbag shotgun and shot Jacob. And at that point, like we just had to fucking split. Um, but yeah, it was just like really, really fucking intense to see like the three billion dollar budget for LAPD in full effect in person. Yeah, it sounds like probably, and and this is my guess because it's 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 people without homes that the people in the neighborhood are like sort of okay with what the police are doing and that the police are going to be a lot less careful in this situation rather, rather than the way they are when, uh, 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 at the BLM marches where, where everybody around was against them. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. 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 There was only like 400 of us on Thursday night, but you know, like thousands for the BLM protest. So they could be way rougher. Uh, sure, um, and, and, like, and, and like yeah, the other side of it. Are the numbers gaining though? Like as actions happen, no, are the so, mon- I mean, numbers gaining? What fucking what fucking sucks is like there were like a good amount of people out on Wednesday night, and again Thursday night there were a ton of people. But like they arrested 182 people in one go Fuck. on Thursday night. It was a lot of journalists. It was like National Lawyers Guild people, like. They didn't give a fuck. They just like rounded everybody up. Like I said, I got super lucky that I was able to dip out just in time. Yeah, I felt that. I Um, I mean, at the BLM protests, like I I sort of felt like every time that we had to run was just like, it reminded me of being a teenager and it was just like having to sit and talk to my wife and daughter, like, all right, if you get scooped up, this is, I'll come and get, you know what I mean? Like teaching right. each other yeah, how, yeah. Teaching each other how to deal with getting picked up by the police is really tough. And, and over the past year, yeah. a lot of new people are dealing with the police. So like yeah. that, that, well, but I think that's the thing that's really cool is that people do know how to do this now. You know what I mean? Like people know how to like handle getting arrested at a protest and stuff like that. Like the, the like court support, the people, cause they just like charge people and ticketed them there on the street. They didn't like take them to the jail. What I thought at least. And so like people were getting charged and there was court support, like already there just to like pick them up and everything like the bail. Yeah. Fun stuff was like set up and everything like that. Like, in general, like the activist culture here in LA is like really fucking strong. And like, it makes me really, really glad because like it's just better than it was even a couple of years ago. And it's really sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congrats. Is there anything we can yeah. do to help out? Is there like a, a mutual I aid mean, site or anything? Check out, 
you should check out Streetwatch LA. They've got some donation stuff. They do a lot of the like direct support of um, the unhoused communities like all around LA. Um, they always need money. They're always passing out resources. Um, and also, honestly, check out knocknationla.com. Um, they're like an independent news outlet here. Um, and they did some really fucking good in-depth reporting on everything that happened. Um, you know, great. That's about it. Keep up the good work, Carter. Uh, we see you, yeah, they, they, and uh, they, it's they, brave to do what you're yeah. doing, and uh, we're behind you 100%. Listen to, listen to the Vague Booking yeah. podcast. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. We've got a new series coming out soon. Yeah. Nice. See you later, Carter. Big Street Fighter Carter. Big fan. Big fan. Yeah, foundational element. Foundational element. Absolutely. Oh, shoot. Absolutely. Smoking. It's like a little humor for everybody. It's from the movie The Mask from uh, when I was a kid. I did cut out the pictures of Cameron Diaz from the movie The Mask and hang them on my wall as a child, like a total creep. Yep. But I was a team. Yeah, so you were following the rules. I was doing what you got to do. You, you stick the pictures of the women do. you're into at the time. And at that time, it was her. So well, that's great. Yeah, just letting you know. You know, smoking. Echo Park is crazy. Yeah, uh, uh, beautiful place. It, like I said, when I picture myself living there, it's because I've been to Jack's house in Echo Park, and like I just find it to be the most beautiful place. And it's just like I love it there. I, I fucking love Los Angeles. I shared the live stream of the battle with the police. It looked awful. Echo Park. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, battling with the police sucks everywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a beautiful place, I'm saying. All you right, know? the next call we have is, uh, I believe, Final Straw Radio. Holy moly. Another radio one. out of uh, Asheville. Asheville. Hey, I'll be in Asheville, Final Straw Radio. Thanks for calling Street Fighter. Who are we talking to tonight? Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, I'll be in Asheville hey, in June. Hey, this is Bert. How's it going? Hold on, who is this? Awesome. You going to do the auditorium again? Uh, no, BP's not going to be with me. Well, I guess he could come with me. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but, uh, uh, I'm going there for a wedding actually. And, uh, I will be fully vaccinated and so will my wife and so will my daughter. So we will not bring COVID to you. I promise. Are you getting the J and J or one of the? No, I mean uh, you know the thing is, I really wanted to get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Like that was what I wanted. So I went to the place to get my vaccine, and I was like, "Oh, you know, if you got the Johnson and Johnson, I'd like to get it." And they were like, "Sir, you are strong, handsome, fancy, (laughs) very high class." that's what we give we give moderna to people like you so i i got moderna but it's because i i like have a certain high class air about me you know it's it's the rich man's the thinking man's the you know strong man's it's like it's for like people that have it all the haves the the enemy of the final straw (laughs) yeah yeah but i'm one exactly just Um, they, they just see that in me as a person i'm one of the haves i'm johnson johnson you know, that's for the working people. Jeez, you have it's, a lot to say. It's a one-shot thing. I just don't think about that one-shot stuff. Seems cheap to me. That's all. The two shots are way more effective as far as I understand, as, as far as not getting sick down the road. I got the one shot uh, the other day, but it's, yeah, it's like there's like a 30% difference in 
as far as if I'm going to actually get symptoms down the road. Yeah, but it's 100% that you're not going to go to the hospital, I think is what they've said. Yeah. It's like 100% that you won't get hospitalization. You're not going to die. So Yeah. Please, but, please introduce yourself before we, before we rush into this so people <laughs> so everyone knows who you are. Hi, so I'm Bert. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Final Straw Radio, um, along with William Goodenough. Uh, we actually air on WCRS on uh, sometimes on Sundays, but every week on Mondays. Um, and it's an hour-long anarchist interview show that's based out of uh, Saligi Land, or Chaligi Land, I got corrected on the pronunciation, but so-called um, Asheville, which was mentioned. And yeah, it's a long-form interview show. We talk politics, we interview activists from behind bars, authors, um, people in various parts of the world just about the struggles that they're engaged with and try to amplify their voices. You do a great job. The show is very, very well put together. Um, Thank you so much. But I wanted to know, I want to go back to the previous conversation. Do you have folks in your life that think because you're anarchist that you don't trust the vaccines and that like you think it's all bullshit? No, no. Um, I mean, most of the people that aren't anarchists that are in my life tend to be like liberals uh, yeah, and leftists. Okay. So like non-anarchist leftists. So no, I mean, there's definitely, I think that I would like to see more dialogue and I see this in other countries or in other places outside of North America or Anglophone North America, at least discussions about repressive state measures and the normal that it proposes. And I see that coming from the reactionary right in the United States. Yeah. I, I think they're coming at it from from kind of a, I don't know, it's weird. They're bootlickers, but then they also don't like the taste of the boot, but that makes them love it more. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's when they think about the 5G or they think about these, like, conspiracy theory reasons for the New World Order or whatever, why they shouldn't get vaccinated, um, and that's their motivation, as opposed to, no, these, like, lockdowns are actually normalizing to some degree, us, um, you know, having to stay inside of our house for long periods of time, normalizing the uh, the austerity approach towards like social issues like a disease that's spreading rather than um paying every like taxing the rich and paying everyone some you know way some basic income so that we can all live giving extra money and hazard pay to the people that are doing the jobs that are going out there and taking care of people or delivering stuff doing logistics work um yeah that they'd rather just the poor get thrown under the bus and you know buried in mass graves or whatever and i think that I don't know, that, that sounded really conspiratorial, but no. I think that um, that's a discussion I would like to see more of. It seems like folks in, in Canada are talking more and more about the normalization of social separation that that could be impacted. And countries like in, in France, like it kind of correlates with this law that they passed last year that made it illegal in response to the Yellow Vest movement to videotape police um, or in the UK where they've just... Uh, you know, taken the existing limitations on public gatherings and ramped it up for the in the name of of uh, you know uh, public safety. Um, but so the, there was this like demonstration a couple of weeks ago that happened after the the murder of a civilian by probably possibly by a law enforcement um, officer, an off duty cop um, was just like heavily repressed and they. Uh, used as a justification this new public safety order that they had put in that uh, limited the uh, the size of protests, that made it so that if you don't have um, 
a that if you don't know that you shouldn't be at a protest, you can be arrested anyway. Whereas current, like up until now, yeah. if you just said I wasn't aware that I wasn't supposed to be at this demonstration, that would be a way to get out of court. Or limiting the amount of people that could be at a demonstration, um, you know, without filing with the police beforehand, or you know, extra limitations if you had a route that you were going to be marching or whatever. I think there's a lot of a lot of really nefarious things that authoritarian regimes, whether they be liberal in name or um, dictatorships like Belarus that are, are, you know, making use of the public health issues. Yeah. I kind of feel, I mean, I kind of feel similar in the way where like when the pandemic happened under Donald Trump, they thought that nothing could be accomplished. But as soon as Joe Biden got elected, we are supposed to get back to normal. It's, it's like, like I know that like, we're we're supposed to assume that Joe Biden is doing things in a more progressive and happier and friendly and welcoming way. But then when it translates to coronavirus virus, it's, oh, well, people started getting shots. So now we can go back to school at the end of the year or we can risk it all for these really stupid situations. You know, there there's like new cases rising. They're not following science anymore. They're They're lying with those goddamn signs they put in their yard that say, I believe in science because they don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we aren't there yet, but they're pushing the issue. And I, I only see my right wing Instagram accounts that I follow talking about it. Nobody talks about the, the, the Biden, uh, the go kids are back in school thing. Like yeah. we're not, even, mm-hmm. you know, I, hey, actually, we do it. We, we complain about our kids in school. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine's going back to school tomorrow. Uh, actually. And uh, she showed me her snap map last week at at one point. And uh, a lot of those motherfuckers were in Florida together, hanging out. Mm -hmm. And they're going to come back to school tomorrow. All of them at the same time in the same room, three feet away from each other. Granted, wearing masks. But some of them also, some of them are not from what my daughter is telling me, like, you know, you can take your mask off to drink or eat. And she's like, people just leave them off after they take a drink, like, and have to be told to put them back on. And like, they eat in the school, but it's like, I would love to see some conversation about forcing kids back to school because they are not really given a choice. I understand that I could sign my daughter up to do homeschool through the computer but she has a a track that she's on and it would take her completely off track and so i really am left with no choice and i just i hate that like i subscribe to the new york times like that is the most mainstream and supposedly the most liberal paper and they don't fucking talk about like hey maybe the reason cases are rising is because they forced kids back to school and then on the other side of that it's like too early and on the other side of that it's like what is the difference between making the kids go to school and fucking doing concerts and stuff like that i mean if you're gonna make the kids go to school you're basically what's the difference who cares just open it all up i guess if that's what you're gonna do not that that's what i want to do well, the children can't even like they're not okay to get the vaccine. It hasn't been tested on and okayed for people under under sixteen. I want to say I'm right. Sure yeah, 18, you can sixteen. But. Only one of them's approved for sixteen year olds, so it's incredibly hard to get a sixteen year old vaccinated. I'm I'm in that. I'm on that now, trying to get my daughter vaccinated. 
Yeah. I, I'm, and then there's also, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I have an eight-year-old kid and the Atlantic article said, consider anybody under 16, like a vaccinated grandpa. Like they're cool. Yeah, they are fine. I think. I. I mean, that's Joe Biden through it. That's Joe Biden liberalism. Yeah, <laughs> but I do want to say. Well, then to there's you- the digital divide issue too. Like I, I live in a like y'all have been here. It's it's beautiful, but there's a lot of people that live rurally, and I've been to Columbus, and it's a it's a beautiful city. Like there's a lot of amazing people there. It's at least people are concentrated in this large metropolitan area and not up way in mountain hollers. Yeah, and. I've talked to a lot of people who can't access internet. So the distance schooling, you know, without, without the infrastructure being there, those kids that live in a rural area are put at a disadvantage. Absolutely. Uh, so it's, it's like, and, and federal and federal funding for schools. Like one reason that truancy laws are, uh, or truancy is pushed by school administrators is because if their kids don't go into class, they can risk losing federal funding. So the, the system is set up in this really patchwork precarious way that, leaves a lot of like this this has really shown uh how strangely functional our society is and how many cracks there are for people to slip through yeah absolutely and you're you're totally right uh, about um you're I, I i would agree with you that like i do worry about the lockdown measures and stuff like that uh i just don't i'm not the type of person i'm not gonna panic yet you know, because I do think that, like, if things get back together, back normal, that just the, 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 how hard it has been for the state to get the toothpaste back in a tube after ending the lockouts last year makes me think that it's, it's lockdowns are always going to be a difficult prospect in the United States, you know? But all it Absolutely. would be nice. It, the thing about the lockdowns to me and, and all that is like, it would be nice to think that if people could just wear masks and stay home to prevent 500,000 people from dying, like it would be nice to think that we could pull together and do that. But yeah, I'm going to write that and I'm going to put that in my diary or something. Put that in my, my dream my, journal. My journals. <laughs> yeah. But wouldn't it be nice to know that we oh, could do that? Be beautiful. Like, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't wake up frustrated every day of my life. <laughs> Absolutely. But I do like, I, I do like, you know, thinking, I, I think it is important to think about this stuff. Like, I think it is important to think about like, you know, giving the government this broad power to do stuff. I just think they've been ridiculously inept at at doing it you know no absolutely absolutely well hopefully we're going to be approaching some sort of herd immunity with all these vaccines because it is and and to be fair the trump administration did roll out like an interesting goofily named sci-fi uh program of of getting funding and testing rolling really fast for you know for the vaccines yep um hopefully we'll actually get towards a herd immunity sooner rather than later and things will be able to start feeling more normal. I yeah, want we're, that. We're, we're there. We're on the precipice of it. It's just that people rushed, rushed it too early. Yeah. 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 Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, we're just, I think we're just so excited about it, you know, and that, that uh, like now people think that, 
okay, so some people are getting vaccinated. I think it's safe for me to go out because people are vaccinated. I was like, well, that's not how it works, dude. (laughs) You still got to get vaccinated. (laughs) But, uh, well, and people are still doing spring break anything like anyway, like over the last year and a half, like year or so. You know, I know even though the vaccines just started rolling out. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to like just hold like they could do spring break in August. Like, let them do spring break in August. How about that? <laughs> yeah, take a summer trip. Yeah, do that. Fuck <laughs> it. Give them a week off in August or, or September. I think things are going to be relatively normal by like September, October is is how I feel. You know, I'm not 100% sure because I don't know anything. And also trust, <laughs> I trust the, the scientists. I, I trust Fauci and all those guys a lot less every day that goes by. Like I just trust i don't trust them as much so i don't really i i don't feel like i feel like that's the other thing is the information around this has been super hard to figure out you know Mm -hmm. it's muddled well i think i mean to be fair this is a pretty unprecedented situation the the confluence of all these things coming together but Yeah. yeah i think take them with a grain of salt for sure so so what I mean Fauci at first was saying that like don't wear masks and then rolled that back when he realized that it was a mistake. You know, even though some Republicans weren't letting him forget that. But like, you know, we're all fumbling our way through this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just it's been it the the flow of information has been difficult, I think, for sure. But I I I I'll get a hold of you when I'm in Asheville since we'll be vaxxed and uh we'll we'll oh, yeah, do a hang. Totally. That'd be awesome. Go for a hike. Go for a swim, maybe, if the water's warm enough. Yeah, eat on a patio or some shit. I don't know. It'll be great, though. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, thanks for calling in. And everybody listen to the... Of course. What is it, Brett? The final straw? Final straw. Radio. I was going to say the last straw, and then mm-hmm. I'd have felt like a fool. But then I said, <laughs> what is it? And then looked like a fool again. Yeah, so so real quick, I mean, go ahead and uh, mm-hmm. tell us what you do on the show. I know you cover... I, I listen to your show because you have really great information and, and uh, theory and uh, and all of that. Um, but but what have you been covering recently, just to get let people know what they can hear on Final Straw? Sure, thanks a lot. Um, so let's see. A couple of weeks ago, we got to talk to um, an anarchist from Ethiopia or in Ethiopia about the war in Tigray and about their perspectives and about the media blackouts. Um, that was pretty interesting. I haven't heard a lot of information on the ground, mm-hmm. um, especially from like an anti-authoritarian, anti-state perspective. Um, she's affiliated with Horn Anarchists. They're on Twitter. Uh, let's see. Last week, we talked to a couple of anarchist legal workers, one with the National Lawyers Guild and one with Tucson Anti-Repression Crew about the case of Steve Martinez. Uh, you may remember um, a young woman almost got her arm blown off in 2016 at the No Dapple protests um, by munitions that came from law enforcement one cold yeah. night when they were being sprayed down by water cannons. So this um, indigenous former um, oil field worker, Steve Martinez, decides to do a um, Good Samaritan thing and take her to the hospital. He gets called back to, uh, which probably saved her life, saved her arm. Um, so he got called to a grand jury. He refused to participate in it. They kind of let that go. But now Four and a half years later, he's being called before a grand jury. Again, he's refusing to speak and he's being jailed for it. Um, let's see. 
this week, we tomorrow morning, you'll be able to hear an interview that I just did with an incarcerated activist from Jailhouse Lawyers Speak about the, which is one of the groups that's called for the uh, nationwide prison strikes in 2016 and 2018. And they're talking about um, a call for people to come out during Black August on August 21st and on September 9th this year to do demonstrations outside of ICE facilities, mental um, mental health facilities, mental hospitals, uh, juvenile facilities, prisons, jails, anywhere that the prison touches the outside world to just raise awareness, have conversations about abolitionism. Yeah. Um, and then we've got a conversation with an anarchist from India, Pranav, uh, who's going to be talking about his organizing against the caste system and talking about the farmers movement in India. Uh, yeah, we've got a, yeah. we've yeah. got a lot. It's a, <laughs> it's a lot. You're doing the work. It really is. It's, it's, it's great. I love the, the level of professionalism that you bring to it and, uh, and, and the seriousness and, and the stuff that you cover. Like I, I, I hear so many wonderful voices when I listen to your show. So I'm, I'm glad you're able to call in and we'll catch up next time about something other than COVID. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> hopefully there'll be a lot more to talk about that's not just covid yeah uh but yeah and uh congratulations y'all it's like this is 10 years for you yeah we're at 10 years now hell yeah that's awesome yeah you, you do a great job you have a great show thanks i appreciate it have a good night well, thanks a lot for having me on yeah, yeah we'll see yeah, you too. peace absolutely that was all the, right the final straw it's breaky time uh this week for music we've got Songs from Body Fluid. Here's the letter. It says, Happy belated birthday, Brian. So this was like January. Second, I wanted to send in music for you guys to play on the show. Our band is called Body Fluid. We're from L.A. and recorded this EP back in March, right when the shutdown began. Ignore the Joker-themed song titles. I think they were funnier back in March. It's not, You don't have to apologize for being Joker-fied. I like Joker stuff, man. You I, accept I, it. I saw the Joker. Accept it quicker than later. Like that you're Joker. We are. I, I, the Joker meant something to me. I, hey, I love the Joker movie. Joker, I, I I'm, saw it. My life is Jokerified in my heart. It is. I it can't is. give it up. Uh, it was really cool that you guys had Riley from Power Trip on the show. Rest in peace, Maine. I briefly got to meet him at a music festival a couple years ago. He was super nice and cool. It was awesome to hear from him on Street Fight. Yeah, he is. He was a super awesome, cool guy. Uh, I love everything you guys do in general, especially the undercover business tyrants. All the best, Joseph. P.S. I'm the Lobby account on Twitter. I underscore love underscore Enya underscore seven seven seven. That sounds That's a awesome. Good name. Yeah, it's like pumping iron for Enya, plus a winning slot machine roll. So uh, this week your music is body fluid. We're street fight. We'll be back after the break, and if you're in the queue, we'll get to you. We promise. It was clean.
hey, 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 we're back. Hey, we're welcome back. back to Street Fight Radio. I hope you enjoyed that music there that came to us from Body Fluid. Check out Body Fluid Music. Thanks for checking that in, Joseph. We appreciate it. If you got music you make and you want to have it played on the show, head to Street Fight, or sorry, send an email to streetfightradio at gmail.com or message us on any of the other social media platforms. Uh, thank you to everybody that called in so far. We've had a lot of good calls. Uh, support those folks. And you ready to get to the calls? Sure. Uh, thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Uh, hi, my name is uh, Marisol, and I'm from Washington State. Hey, how's it going, Marisol? Uh, it's okay, thank you. You're welcome. Anytime. What's going on tonight? Uh, uh I guess uh, I called in because I wanted to talk about my uh, job and the craziness that happened with it. Um, I'm a welder, a structural steel welder. I do like the big shit, uh-huh. like making buildings and shit. That's badass. And, do you um, travel or just in town? Uh, no, I just do it in town. I was at a shop. Um, okay. And I recently got fired. Uh, but I got electrocuted one the day one day, and then the very next day they fired me. <laughs> oh god, that's like they're like, oh no, this person, this person is a problem now because they were succumbed to like occupational injury Jeez. like this is a dangerous job well, this actually, person... sorry go ahead oh no no you're right it's totally dangerous job i was actually on uh light duty technically because i fell off a ladder and um herniated a disc and i was on light duty so they put me on like maintenance work and uh maintenance had me cleaning up machines that they uh i guess they didn't turn the machines off, therefore I got electrocuted. <laughs> that's a, it, it's interesting. Yeah, that's my fear was always like I always had a fear of falling off a ladder, and also because where I worked, they were sort of the same way. Uh, light duty meant either you're going home or you're fired. You're like, on probation. Yeah, they didn't do. They were like, we don't do light duty, and I think that's a a lot of like blue collar type jobs. They'll they'll say they don't do light duty. Absolutely, like this place. Like I got injured in December for, and I heard you did this there, and then they hired like a new HR woman in January, and this is a company that's like. We're family here, you know. Oof. We're family. We get second chances. We love people. It's like so we hire felons and people that can't get jobs, and we'll pay them like the shittiest wages, even though they're certified in these technical skills. But we're gonna pay you practically minimum wage to almost die every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because it's like you. I mean, people are going to get injured on jobs like you have. It's not like that is out of the realm of possibility. It says nothing about your character. No, absolutely not. It's going to happen to everybody that works like that. Whether it's maybe you won't get soup, you won't fall off a ladder or electrocute yourself or anything like that, but you might <laughs> even just get a repetitive strain injury doing doing oh, a absolutely. job like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I, I attribute a lot of my back pain to 
I, I just got back pain from working, you know, like it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I'm weak or I can't handle it or anything like that. It was just like, well, you know, I have to carry stuff every single day. Like yeah. heavy things have to get carried and it's just going to happen. Yeah, that was actually, and uh, Jason isn't here to tell the story, but uh, Jason was a mover for a long time and he gave it up after, you know, dutifully showing up and moving thousands of pounds of stuff and working overtime, but his ankle hurt when he walked and he was like called in to say, my ankle is not today, you know, like I can't do it. And, I, you know, from what I hear, he was just offended that they thought he was trying to take advantage of them. Like he showed up with injuries all the time. He showed up when things weren't feeling bad. The only reason he said he shouldn't go to work is because he, that's how he felt at the time. You know, like that, it, it was a serious thing. It, it wasn't just uh, to get away with anything. You're not pulling it over, pulling anything over anyone. Um, and, and that's the nature of the job. And, you know, they tell you that that's illegal to fire an injured worker. For some reason, I've heard that. I always believed yeah. that. Uh, they, they said it, you know, um, I came in to my firing hearing because I knew they're like, come in at eight o'clock rather than my 4 a.m. start time. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to get fired. Yep. So I came in with like, doc, like, like OSHA guidelines of why, what I was doing was, um, out of compliance with like OSHA. And they're like, it doesn't matter. We're still going to say that you're negligent on the job. So therefore you can't claim unemployment. Ugh. Um, but you're going to also have, you know, lifelong injuries from a herniated disc that was like in PT four through L and I, and then I got electrocuted from like a 600 volt machine being on. <laughs> and they're just like, you know what? Uh, fuck you. We're going to fire you right now because it's not well state. We can just do it whenever. <laughs> fuck. Fuck. That Fantastic. sucks. And and it's like this company, like we had like these giant boxes on the floor that they were like, okay, we're going to fill them with 10,000 gallons worth of water. And we're just going to hope that it doesn't spray a leg right now because we've never done this kind of work before for the DOT. And uh, I mean, it's like this, you know, family owned business that the son inherited the business and Ooh. is trying to uh -oh. obviously make profits. Like, uh, you know, you look at the job listings after I, I've lost the job there, and it's like they, they uh, and the job listings are like, uh, we have donate Thursdays. We serve donuts, so we can pay you a shitty wage because you guys get donuts on Thursdays. So come work for us. Yeah, like, that's crazy. That's a crazy thing to say. And then also, every day. I mean, there's so many situations where like, Somebody can start a business and have good relationships and keep the work going, and then they hand it off to some relative that doesn't know what they're doing. The only reason that they're in they're in that position is because they're related to the person, and and things change Absolutely. and there's it becomes cost cutting measures and there's no care for the people that make you your money. It's incredible that we're building infrastructure, uh, like bridges and dams, and they're like, you know what? It's okay. We're gonna we're gonna pay you shit and uh hope to God you guys don't die on the floor and we're gonna just, you know, kick you out. And of course, you know, you can't unionize there and anything like that. So I gotta say, like the scummiest <laughs> thing I think the scummiest thing in the world is these businesses that 
uh, fire you because they have like they fire you and and the reason is something that they have to brainstorm and like try to figure 100%. out yeah because you're like what the yeah. fuck you know you can fire me like you you can you can fire me for like if i stole some shit at the job or something like that like that's a reason to fire somebody hey if i don't if i don't come in and don't call that's a reason to fire somebody i mean although in my personal opinion no call no show it should take more than one to get fired which Sure. A lot of companies do only one and you're like, but like, what about people who can't call because they're in the ER or something like that? But like, but like, uh, uh, coming up with an idea, coming up with a reason to fire somebody should be like one of the things that like get your business taken away from you. Definitely. You know, totally. I mean, they had to have brainstormed it. Like you said, like, I've been there for two years and they're like, let me think of the way that we can really fuck her the most. It's not only COVID still happening, but let's like make sure she doesn't get unemployment. Yeah. So let's say she was negligent. <laughs> like, that- can you see me as a human being and like understand that I'm a person that needs, you know, food to fucking make a living. Yeah. I need to go a house. <laughs> Yeah, it it sounds like a board game where like you're just trying to defeat your enemy, but this person you, like you showed up and and did the work for them, and and now you're suffering mm-hmm. from it, and they they don't want to take any sort of responsibility, and legally they don't, you know, they they have all the protections in the world to not to. Yeah, you're the one that doesn't have protections. Absolutely, it's it's insane. I I wish that unions were more prevalent. And everything. I mean, if I if 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 the shop is unionized, this I wouldn't be in this position, obviously. So, go unions everywhere. Everyone should always join a union, whatever they can. I think yeah. a lot of people would have expected. I think a lot of people would have expected that a welder would be in a, a union. I'm actually kind of surprised you weren't in a union. Uh, I think it's because like with welding, you can be like a union for like pipe fitters or like boiler makers. Like you're like. Um, specialized skills rather than just like structural in general so therefore i that structural in general doesn't have a union but like if you're in a specialized welding skill you can unionize or have a union i guess yeah but there's there's, i totally agree that you should have a union for just welding (laughs) but you're right there is going to be there's always going to be that level of folks that can scoop people up that can't find like one of those gigs and they're willing job. Yeah, yeah, and they're willing to bid the lowest amount for a contract so therefore they can keep oh, it running and they're just cycling through people. It's the same as a McDonald's where um you know, theoretically you could just do a McDonald's job, you could make it and and have it be an easy thing to do, but the folks that are forced to do that job are under a significant amount of stress that makes it that you can't focus on just getting food out the window. The same you like the, the when you don't have the protections and you can just weld like and they're also finding reasons to get rid of you as soon as you're like a liability that then like yeah that this is the work environment that you get it's just extreme uh, overturn oh absolutely like i like i said i was on you know light duty so i was in an office for a bit and i totally heard all the you know gossip about how we're constantly the business i was with was constantly underbidding so obviously 
the shop that I was was underbidding everybody. So therefore, they're going to be paying their workers so little. But then, you know, I see them hiring frivolent people to do these job sets. Like, you can go out to your workers and ask them how to streamline things rather than paying these salaried employees, these ridiculous $100,000 salaries. And then you're paying the people actually fucking doing the shit on the floor thirty thousand dollars a year. No, you're right, and, and that that's a that's a matter of ego too. Where like it's I own a business. Oh, I have so much on my plate. I deserve to have an employee directly under me that takes care of all of my details because I'm that fucking important. You also that I I don't have time to figure out the details. You also like wonder what the mm-hmm. like you, you know we've talked about this with CEOs, but the stuff on their plate. It's probably no. just nothing, you know? It's like me. It's like I told Brett tonight, I was like, yeah, I'm off Tuesday, or Monday and Tuesday this week. I just decided to take two days off. And and I'm like, I'm you know, I'm really excited about it. You know, I get two days off. I did work on Saturday this week, so I deserve two days. And that's just something that somebody that owns the business is like allowed to do. So when these people say they're super overworked, you're like, motherfucker, you don't have to be. You know what I mean? Like you cannot be super overworked. You know, you don't own the business so you can work seven days a week or whatever and i think that like they have convinced a lot of business owners have convinced people that they do work seven days a week oh the thing about owning the business is that i'm never off and it's like you're always off you can be off anytime you want is the thing oh absolutely like you know the business owners they they were going to uh fucking mexico on vacation also the entire office staff at the shop i was working everybody in the office got covid when 100 percent of them got covid wow absolutely i mean they didn't they nobody mandated masks and everybody got covid and then they came back to work and then they never implemented masks like the entire two months after everybody came back uh visitors would come in and they would say no masks and here in washington state where i am we were in uh um level one or uh for you know, no, 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 nothing was open. You couldn't go into restaurants or anything like that. Like we're just now in phase three, but two months ago, three months ago, we were in phase one and that entire office, nobody wore masks 100% of the time. Everybody got COVID and they were like, ah, you know what? It's uh, the liberal media (laughs) saying that, you know, COVID is bad because we just got COVID and it felt like a sniffle. So it's no, no problem to you guys on the floor. God, that is a really tough, that is a really tough situation too, because it sounds like you were working for like Trump conservative types and having, having, yeah. So then they do not give a shit about you. Like, you know, for a fact they don't give a shit about you. Yeah. They're, I mean, yeah, this seems like the whole business is like, Whoever complains about a mask, we're going to find a reason that, like, they didn't clock in for breaks, and we're going to fire him for that. Whoever uh, has an injury on the job, we're just going to get rid of them. Like, whoever's – if we we think someone's a problem, we're going to exterminate that. Oh, absolutely. They – yeah. They were 100 um, percent very open about how much they uh, hate anybody that's not a Trump supporter. I mean – Anytime you walk wow. through the office setting, they were gung ho Trump supporters. I mean, very blatantly. But also on the floor, 
Um, I don't. I mean, I think that Washington State's pretty, you know, um, liberal state in the sense. I mean, not leftist, but liberal enough. But uh, I would say 98% of the folks on the floor, man, they are diehard Trump fans. It's like, oh, God. I think, not only am I working around men all the time, but they all love Donald fucking Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I think in, 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 in like, you know, it, leftists aren't, like, really allowed to say this, you know? And, uh, but, like, I think a lot of, I mean, it's obvious, a lot of, like, blue-collar people are Trump people. And it's only because nobody on the left has ever talked to them. You know, I, I don't think that they inherently, like, a lot of blue-collar white people, I guess I should say, are Trump people. Thank you. And it's just because I think people <laughs> haven't talked to them. I've always seen that as, like, sort as our job, even though we don't get to them. But people like me and Brett and, and, and leftists like us should be talking to them and explaining this stuff. But, like... You know, it's hard to get through to them. It is really hard to talk to them. And, and they are so annoying. You know, like that, that's another problem is like, I'm sure you could have probably had a politics conversation with some of the guys at work, but they're horrible and annoying. Mm hmm. They actually, um, they called me, uh, Commie Cough on the floor. That was my nickname. <laughs> Yeah, I believe Tommy Cough. Yes, Tommy Cough. Jeez. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, yep. I mean, it probably because felt I, good I to have a nickname. I think was a real stick. Ah. I was going to say, it's probably nice to have a commie nickname, though. Like, you're like, oh, I'm really doing the right <laughs> thing, you know? True. I mean, it's so <laughs> funny because communism would help those people almost, I mean, immediately. So much. Immediately. Yeah. Like they have no idea how dumb they sound when where you just want to be like, hey, you know, well, yeah. And that's the thing about it, too, is like with the with like white privilege, those are the type of people that say I came from nothing. But like your white privilege is that, you know, you get to have this regular ass life, but you're getting paid nothing for it. You're getting mistreated for it. The only thing you get out of your white privilege is feeling better by for, about people that aren't black. Yeah, you know, like, and if if the if the actual working class were to unite, like, we would have actual freedom. Like, we 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 would not be having Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk types and and those small business timers deciding what we do. Like, we would be in charge of it. But their white privilege, like, that's the thing that that keeps us back. Well, we've talked about we we actually did YKS last night. We watched the movie No Safe Spaces by. Adam Carolla and Dennis Prager, and they did give that white privilege speech. No, and they missed it totally. And and you just want to say, like, well, when we say white privilege, we we like mean like that uh the society totally bends to you. Like Yeah, they were like, not everyone that white was not every white person owned slaves, and you're like, but that's the privilege of being white. You weren't a slave. Yeah. Like at least <laughs> like that's it. That's what it is. That's the reason that like you were willing to let these rich landowners take fucking everything is because at least you weren't going to be the slave. It wasn't a risk or they like, you're not going to get shot. You probably won't get shot by the police. Right. You know what I mean? You have a far lesser <laughs> chance of getting shot by the police if you're white or like, again, like you're seen as the default. I think that's the thing that. I wish they could understand is that white and male and Christian in the United States 
is seen as the default. I'm sure you ran into a lot of that on the job site where, where it was like, you weren't like the default type of person. They, they didn't expect you, uh, uh, to be there. You know what I mean? Sorry. <laughs> Do we lose them? I think we might've lost her. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. No, about, that's, that like, is, that's nailing down right to it. Is that, and that's what that, the, the thing is like, uh, it's not cause she's a woman. It's just that she got injured. It's like, but she got fucking injured doing our job, dude. Like, don't we have some sort of camaraderie here? Like if someone gets injured doing our job, why don't we take care of those people? It's one of those things where you're oh, just like, she's I, back. I want to, I want to explain the white privilege thing to people, you know, but they're impossible to talk to Sure, a lot of times. Like just. If I sat down across from Adam Carolla and tried to explain that to him, he would just be like, ah, you know? It was tough for me. Yeah, yeah. It was tough for me, too, dude. I know. Hey, are you back? Oh, yes. Yes, I am. And, um, you know, I'm actually a person as well as a female, like, in the industry. So, like double the amount of bullshit I get from these people, right? Right, Not only yeah. do I not get a feel to, like, say white privilege, right? But, like, I'm brown, so... Right, right. And they... they, More they great. I'm no, I, sure I, I just a lot of jokes. I, I'm sure you heard a lot of jokes. Because when I was working as a roofer, when I was working at the cable company, even when I was working at the golf course, like, I'm a white guy, so people felt very comfortable telling me jokes. And like I can I can I can relay stories all day about racist or sexist things that people said to me. Yeah, and it was very easy for me to radicalize because I was thinking about all the places I've worked at. It's like only the black people and the Latino people were the ones that became problems. Those are the ones that were like couldn't fit in with our with what we were doing. Like those are the ones that they constantly found a reason to to fire. Of course. I mean, I would think we would be putting a cooler for them so they get some more tax breaks, but come on, right? <laughs> I don't know that one. You got it's 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 got to be tough like it, it, it's got to be tough like like hearing these guys talk about how women and minorities get everything and then you having to be like I got like fired <laughs> and, and like cuz I got injured mm-hmm. and like I don't know. It's going to be harder for me to get a job. I mean, I don't know for sure, uh, but it is absolutely. I worked at a, a corporate cable company that had a lot of employees. <laughs> and in the section that I worked in, the, the installations and service technicians, there was one woman that worked there in the seven years that I worked there. So it's even like a thing where it's like even just... Like, if you want to work in welding or something like that, it's going to be harder to get a job as a woman. I can't imagine that she, that that Mary was the only woman that ever applied for an installation job at that company in seven years. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was actually the owner's wife said she had a, like, a point to hire female welders surprisingly so we had three women on our on our shop floor but um whenever one of us tried to move up from that position 
uh, I mean, it's not very much moving up, but perhaps like um, an inspection rule of some sort, mm-hmm. or what was called like, um, I guess I would, how you'd say like putting, like reading the prints to, to putting them together rather than just welding them. None of us women were ever allowed to progress in that manner. Like even the foreman's wife friend worked there mm-hmm. and she never made it past a welder position. She was never a fitter. She was never um, a quality control person. And she had more experience than nearly every man on the floor. And right. she was all, always in just a welding position. She never was able to move up the ranks. And, you know, I understand that it's blue collar work is primarily male influence, but, but I mean, it's 2021. Come no, on now. No, I'm with you. I mean, I, I agree. I, the, the, like for, for my values, I, it's not that I don't think that women can't do this, do that. I mean, if, if you look at the numbers, it's like, oh, not enough women are wellers. They, they're just locked out the culture, the people that are doing it. There's, there's no, there's no openness. Um, and I, and I, it's, it's glaringly obvious. Um, and, and still we respect people's opinions that, that, uh, say like, no, it's not that, you know, the, the world isn't like that at all. Right. Like a micro would say, right. That like, well, there's yeah. guys want to do it or women don't want to do it. Yeah. That he would say that women don't want to do these jobs. They're just too lazy to do these or something. And it's like, no, it's because oh, you make the- it as hard as possible. You know? Yes. Um, actually, one of the, the new HR persons they hired uh, while I was there, uh, while I was injured, I had to talk to her, you know, and she told me, she's like, I can imagine as a woman, it's just, just too hard to do these jobs. And I said, obviously it's not because this That's- is what I chose to be my profession. I went to school for this. I, I have my certifications in this. Like, obviously it's not too hard. She's like, well, I as a woman, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> You as a person don't want to do this, but me as a person, regardless of my genitals, yeah, <laughs> that's extreme. Like- that's so discouraging because you would expect someone to be like these fucking guys are going to screw with you any chance that they- you would. You would expect an ally, like I would. Ex- I-, I would expect Absolutely. a woman to say like, I would understand the lived experiences that these dudes are going to fuck with you hardcore. Exactly. Like I was hoping, like you said, for an ally and this woman was just one of those women that puts other women down. It's like you are in this industry and you have been in this industry for 20 plus years and you're not building another female up when they're coming to you asking for, you know, a promotion of sorts or cross promotion trying to get into a different uh, piece of of the industry, you know, rather than just the entry level and like yeah. well, me, I don't feel like women can do this. It's like, come on, girl, we're both in it together. Come on, help each other. And, and it's not a matter of I think I should be the manager. It's a matter of saying like I've done good enough work that I should be the inspector, or I should be the next level up. Like why am I? Why am I being considered for these things? You know, it, it just consider. Just give me a chance is the thing. Give me like, a- I saw so many other men that have less experience than me were given the chance. And I was never given the chance. Like men that came in here with two months experience were given chances that I didn't have two years experience. That is, 
Oh, uh, somebody in Washington is saying they could that they do uh, that they're a part-time coffee technician and they want to help you learn coffee repair if you're interested. Uh, and there's a lot of work around Washington, so we we could try to connect you with them if you if you need a job. I do need a job, and I would love to connect with them. Okay, let us. Uh, uh, we will. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll work this out. I will. Uh, okay. I, Brett, can we? Uh, I got to figure out how coral, to uh, coral colored red sunshine. Reach out to me. Call her, reach out to me, and then I'll, I'll connect your information. Yeah, are you on Twitter Street, or Instagram? Street Fight Radio or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Any of those are fine. Um, I, I can make one. I sure can. Yeah, just send send Brett the stuff, and then we'll we'll connect you okay. two together and see if we can't That's get awesome. this to work out. That that would be really great. I I uh, hey, I would like to learn how to fix coffee machines. So. That's something. You know what? Just to, just something to say that like this this resonates in me with my daughter because she's very funny and I don't think she's good at school. And I feel like men have a lot more support and culturally can get away with becoming like a, a fuckboy comedian or like just blowing things off to pursue their art in a way that a lot of women don't get. And you know, with our show, we want, we try to work with women comedians, um, but we're not going to have somebody that is trash. But I also understand that like women aren't offered the same option to, to go full force into a lot of these careers. They're very much dominated by men and, and welding is, is one of those as well, where, um, they're just, you're shut out of it. And, I, I, I'm glad you called and, and thank you for sharing your story and, and, and I hope we can help you make something better, but I totally hear what you're saying and, and this, the listeners are going to love that you called in. Yeah, it's very cool. I, I mean, I, I admire any welder. So I, 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 <laughs> my dad's I a welder. what you do. Yeah. Your dad's a welder. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought he was a concrete man. <laughs> yeah, he, did, he laid brick and welded. Damn. Welder is like one of those jobs that you're like, when you're in high school and you're a dude, they'll be like, you should be a welder, dude. They make like seventeen fifty an hour. <laughs> I'm so always hearing that. I fucking wish seventeen fifty an hour. Should. <laughs> I always I wanted to do the underwater welding where you get paid by the inch. Oh God, yeah, that that's some that's some serious stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like that's like the most that elite like level. We're, we're trying to get her a job as a welder, right? Not like the hardest <laughs> job in the world as a welder. Like, oh, you know, what about uh, welding <laughs> under the Bering Strait? I think she can do it. I do too. I think anybody can. That's the fucking thing. I just want to say is like, I don't think that there are blue collar jobs that women can't do i no. have seen them do it but the culture jobs. and the atmosphere and, and our opinions about those things affect affect the the workplace every single day it's I like know. a woman tried when i i remember when i did donuts they 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 were like we tried to hire a woman and she couldn't lift the dough and all this stuff and I'm like okay that doesn't that's not all women though that was just one like there's a to there's a bunch of weak ass guys I know that I could come bring over here and they could not pick up the goddamn dough I could so take fifteen people out of one of our live show fifteen dudes out of one of our live show audience that couldn't lift the dough couldn't lift the dough. <laughs> 
Well, thanks for calling, uh, and and uh, we will connect you. I, I'm hoping it works out. All right. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Love your show. Thank you yeah. for calling. Have a good night. There we go. Bye. There we go. That feels good. That's a mutual aid. Helping somebody get a jobby job. Yeah, we've done a couple of those. Fixing coffee machines is rad, though. Like at the coffee shop, I think. Fixing those. That's a machine. Fixing machines is cool. No matter what kind of machine it is. I'll give you that. I'm not... I am not looking down my nose at any machine fixer. Welding, though. Welding's rad. Laying down a tight bead. I know, man. It, I'm telling you, for real. Like, Why, when I, I was in high school, they would call dudes like me into the office and say, like, have you considered welding? What because was it called? What was the one you went when you did when you didn't go to school for vocational school? Vocational, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They tried to get me in vocational. They tried so hard to get me in vocational school. Should have went. Checking out. They tried really hard. And, and even I went to my dad and I said, They're trying to get me in vocational school. You know what I mean? And he was like, That's for the dumb kids. You're not allowed to go to vocational so school. So stupid. You're too smart. Such an awful parent move. I know. And I was like, if I'm not kid, too smart, actually. Yeah, if the vocational school was coming after my kid, I would say, Hey, learn electricity work. Learn how to do electrician stuff because people are fucking deathly afraid of that. And you can get $40 an hour for doing electrician shit. Yeah, my dad did that, you know, obviously a lot. There was a few times where I had opportunities that he said, no, that's for the bad, dumb kids. And it's like, dad. I'm a bad, dumb kid. I'm a fucking bad, dumb kid. And here, here's the thing. If you think I'm super smart, like if you think I'm like this secret genius in my brain, I'm still not going to apply myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'll maybe, let you down. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm a super smart guy, but you have to deal in the reality that I'm not going to do anything, you know? No, the same thing happened to me. Um, I toured the vocational school and I saw the electrician stuff, how they were like, they laid out this board and they had the wires going back and forth. I was like, I'm really interested in that. And they were like, but you're, you could take AP classes. You did really good on this test. And it was like, but I don't like that stuff. Like I only, do, I only do calculus because you said I had to. That's so funny. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. Like that, like Mike Rowe really does think that people just don't want those jobs. And it's like, dude, if you want one of those jobs, a lot of times your parents, they're and picky. teachers. And guidance counselors will steer you right away from it. Yeah. It happened to me, dude. Yeah. Like, I am living proof that, like, every chance I ever had to get a well-paying job was stopped in its tracks by my parents. It wasn't well-paying enough. No, it needed yeah. to be, yeah. like, some computer shit or something like, like, basically STEM. My yeah. parents wanted me doing STEM. And, like... They thought that I was smart enough to do STEM. And I just wanted to be like, dude, I, my brain doesn't even work that way. Like, if you were trying to steer me towards what I'm good at and what I'm smart at, you would have steered me towards writing because yeah. I'm good at that. And right. I know how to do that. And I'm, I, I'm like, that's my aptitude. Right. I have an Expressing. aptitude for that. Yeah. But they were like, you can't get a job doing that. Yeah. yeah, that was the that was the poison of all of the parenting back then is is the go to college, do STEM stuff, don't complain. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't and, work. And it was stupid. So all right. thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Oh, 
I was I was about to type a comment. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you. What's up? All right. I have a new headset, so I ask, you know. Sound, you sound uh, great. It's Robert. That's Ro- <laughs> Robert from Columbus Echo. What's up, uh, Ro- Oh, Echo in the so, chat. I'm watching the chat yeah, tonight. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. Like, sometimes I forget I'm on the queue, and I get relaxed, and I remember I'm like, oh, no, I'm nervous now. Oh, no. <laughs> nah, you don't got to be nervous. I was watching in the chat. You got a lot to offer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I want to do one thing and then talk about uh, women's health issues or homelessness, whichever one you guys want to do. I mean, probably homelessness. You know, you pick. Okay, that was that was my that was my first thought was homelessness, and then I remembered how pissed off I am about women's health. Yeah, but we could do homelessness. Yeah, no, uh, that's cool. One funny, one funny thing, one funny thing. I'm sure you guys know uh, Drill on Twitter. Yeah. You run in circles. I was really high this. I was really high this morning at six a.m. and I was going through and like I really was feeling drill because he's so philosophical, but he's like super absurd, right? It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it'd be funny if he turned drill tweets into poems. Yeah, he does. I think he wrote a book. He did a book. I know he did. He did. <clears throat> but I'm I'm riffing on him though. It's fun. So the famous one is. The wise man bowed his head solemnly and spoke. There's actually zero difference between good and bad things, you imbecile. You fucking moron. Right? We all know that one. Yeah. So my take is, uh, <clears throat> I surmise, perhaps, what it is you are saying to me, oh, noble wise one, is that underneath good, underneath evil, it is all the same. Is this perhaps a joke upon me? And you, you declare yourself the wise one? You fucking moron. <laughs> you need to you write some code for like a drill translator bot. Yeah, you got to do one of those. Yeah, you bots. could. You could. Yeah, okay. So in the chat, but, we were talking about men on the street segments. Can you hear me so good? Yeah. I can hear you. Yeah, yeah we're, you're there. Okay. The, the, my stream is chunking up, so I should just not watch the stream. Just uh, talk to us. Yeah, so, we're right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so in the in the chat, we were talking about like man on the street things. And like a month and a half ago, I thought I was going to be instantly rich. Turns out it's taking a little longer, but it's fine. It's whatever. Uh, and one of my ideas was like, because uh, like when the GameStop thing happened, everybody was doing like little acts of charity and they were giving away Nintendo Switches. And I was like, that's sweet, but like you could do better with the money. And so I started envisioning it. And my original thought was the envelope club where I would just put hundred dollar bills or hundred, you know, whatever, put money in an envelope, go around, hand them out. Right. And I started thinking about the idea and about why people don't like homeless people. Right. It's because of fear. It's because people don't see a human being when they see somebody asking for money, they see their own fear of being homeless. That's why that's why you have to mentally disconnect yourself when you see a mentally or when you see someone experiencing homelessness. Yeah. Is because you're not seeing a human. You're seeing like your own emotions. I disagree. Right? You're putting yourself in their position. I guess you, if you want okay. to put that blame on other people, but no. Uh I, I currently mm. the 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 stop by my house, there is somebody asking for money on every single corner and it makes me cry. It's, yeah. it's made me like spontaneously oh, yeah. weep oh, yeah. on multiple no, no, no. occasions. One sixty one and seventy one is yeah. an exit that like yeah. I just wish would no. disappear. Dude, 
I, I, I saw a homeless guy today and I didn't have any money to give him, but I had like two energy drinks. I stopped. I was like, do you want an energy drink? I gave it to him. I, I feel that way too now. I, I, yeah, that's not a gift. Me. I'm saying <laughs> it, yeah, it's not. Uh, that's a, that's in, like in you're going to say, I hope time, you get kidney stones if you get somebody a fucking energy drink. Oh, come yeah. on. People love energy <laughs> drinks, Brett. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I wanted to give him something. Okay. Yeah. That's all I have. That's great. Uh, um, you know, I've identified this feeling in myself because I have in the past felt that way where I didn't want to look at the person. It's because I identified it because I think about psychology a lot. It's because like I was, I was afraid, right? And so my man on the street segment I was thinking of is just, you know, go do man on the street and just talk to homeless people. Just go hang out, give them money, give them food, hang out, talk a little bit, and then put it on the internet. And you don't need to do them. that though. Like they're not. Why not? Because you know, there's no reason to, to make it like a segment or to make it content. Like I, I, I talk no, to people I, and I don't say anything not, about it. Like Jesus Christ said, the left hand don't know yeah, what know. the right one does. Like you don't need to tell nobody that you're helping people out. You shouldn't actually. It's, it no, looks bad. No, 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 no. I, I, I've thought about this and like it was. I was gonna like not have it be that way. I don't want it to be exploitative. I want it to be awareness building because I feel like, because my ex-wife has been homeless basically for the last year and she has an incredibly difficult time because without a home address, you can't even like apply for a job. Yeah. And she's been stonewalled so many times. And I have another friend who has been homeless for a long period of time. Now she's in a section eight house, but she has like, she can't leave because she has special needs children. So she's stuck there and then people are mad at her that she can't go work, but she's stuck in a box because she was homeless at one point and she like she managed to get off the street, but now she's like even more trapped in her home and it sucks. And it's because this country treats, you know, homelessness so badly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I agree with those that. are good stories, yeah. yes. For, for for many like societal and capitalist reasons, you know. But because you sounded like you were trying to want to do a TikTok where you hand people a monster and like try to get likes. No, no, dude, no, no. Just divorce it from any content mill. I, like you, you, Brett. If you went and did this, would you consider it a piece of content, or you think you're like helping build awareness? I mean, yeah, I I think that. Uh, I don't know if I would it's do not it a perfect idea for I'm publicity. I would it's just do it on my own time. I, yeah, I don't I think know, we would put it on a feed. But I think know, Brett would the absolutely. Problem is, the problem is other people. We know. We, you and I know. Oh, other people right. don't know. Somebody in the chat said there are already some great podcasts out there created by unhoused. People. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. Hey, there I'm not. To, I, there needs to be. I'm more. not criticizing there you. I say go more. do it. Give them a have a conversation no, yeah, with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into yeah. it. Hey, I mean, I, I truth, have having I have like unfilmed conversations all the time with them. Having every, conversations, I talk to every homeless person I meet. Having conversations with the most amount of people is the way that things are going to get better. We all just got to exactly. talk to each other. That's yeah, how I feel. I fully agree. So yeah. I'm with you, buddy. I, I, you know, you you go talk to yeah. It, I mean, I like I said, I don't it's, know if I would do a podcast, but I I would absolutely no, yeah like it's, think it's, it's okay to talk to people. I'm trying to find I'm I'm trying to find the line, you know. Sure. Because I'm hey. not trying to be a jerk. I'm trying I'm trying to like help people like my ex and like my friend. Sure. Yeah. Hey, that's good. 
I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate enough to never be on the street, but I know so many people who have. <clears throat> Actually, in the chat, they said "We the Unhoused" is a great start for people to listen yes. to. That See, is a podcast, and I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that they're telling it, but it's just our little circle. Outside of our circle, people don't know that, and people need to. True. I would love to. I. I. You know. It's, build it's kind awareness. of the trap that like the the, the podcast sphere falls into. It's like. You don't want to like judge people outside of it for being too stupid, but they do need like a, a nudge. Sure, people need to hear things. It's it's hard to get people to consume yeah. content though. I can tell you It'll, that getting people me. to yeah. to 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 uh, uh, look at a TikTok or read a book or listen to a podcast is maybe one of the hardest things that I, I mean I've done some pretty hard jobs, but getting people to listen to mm -hmm. a podcast, even people that like me. Yeah. It's very hard to do. That's that's kind of what I like about the TikTok format is you can say a lot in sixty seconds and people can watch sixty seconds very rapidly. But yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Me. Well, hey, thanks for calling in. Hey, uh, I, I don't. Want, to yeah, from. I was gonna say I don't want to take a lot of time. I know there's somebody else. Sure. All right. Have a good night, Echo. Appreciate it, Robbie. Right. All right, Robbie. <laughs> No, it's Robert, man. Don't, Robert. don't Robbie me, man. Oh, Robbie's a good name, though. But I get it, Robert. No, Thanks for not. calling in, I, buddy. I I know I know scumbag Robbies. I'm not a Robbie. I know, but I'm a scumbag, so I always identify with other scumbags. Yeah. But thanks for calling in, yeah. Robert. Have Please a good night. don't Robbie me. Don't call me. That's not the way I like to be treated. Please don't Robbie me. My uh, nephew was named Hugh as a he was born his name was Hugh well and everybody was like bro we gotta call this kid Huey because Hugh just nobody's named Hugh I'd never heard of nobody named Hugh right yeah and his stepdad get right in my shit and said I don't like nicknames and never called Ooh. him that again <laughs> I'm trying to make the kid popular or something. Yeah, you're you know? trying to give him trying to give him a name that works, something that works. You know, something you can do something with. You know, you work. I can work with Huey, but I can't work with. Well, now there are Hughes. All no, over. there's not. There's Hughes. I've all never over. met a fucking Hugh. Hugh Grant. Never met him. I understand that, but he exists. But nobody, he didn't, he wasn't good enough to inspire people to name their kid a horrible name like fucking Hugh. I'm looking up famous. There's no Hughes. Famous Hughes. No, regular ass Hughes. Well, how you what about, find I've never even worked Hughes. with a Hugh. I don't think Me even, neither. I never even called a delinquent Hugh. When I did collections, there was never a fucking Hugh on the other line. It's It's funny. not a real name. It's funny because like I it's said, like a I'm tough trying to of help air. this kid. It's wispy. Yeah, I'm trying to help this kid, and I have never... I, well, I have something more directly related, which is that I had a cousin, Bobby and Robbie, and they were brothers. Bobby and Robbie? Yeah. Yeah. Ro Ronnie's a good name. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm just going to so, throw this out here. Real my Ro Robbie's don't... Our Robbie's aren't bad. So I have the famous ones, the most... I have the top 12 hues, and they are in order. Who cares? Okay, whatever, then. Let's... We got another call. What what does that have to say about regular? Have you ever worked with someone? Have you do? You, there's I have no a nephew. All right, no I have one a cousin named Hugh. Okay, <laughs> that's Hugh, the only one. Huge ass or something? No, Hugh. I can't remember his middle name. Probably something like Norbert or something like that. You know, I don't know why they named him that. I tried to change it. It's not a real name. 
I tried to tell what is the real name? There's I see 12 famous Hughes right now. One of them not that famous. He's a dancer. Who? And and another one, Hugh Apparente. Uh, but the top f- f- five? Five? I've heard of the top five. Now, once you get past those top five, I don't know any of these guys. But uh yeah. Just a little thing about me. I have a Hugh in my family. Sister named Ruth. Yeah, you you're you you were born uh, upper middle class. You're privileged. That's why you know fucking Hughes. These motherfuckers. You were right. never related to a Robbie. First of all, I was born probably solidly middle class. But you had a pool. I did have an above ground pool. Yes. Was your cable cut off? Yeah. You, you food didn't stamps. Have cable the whole time growing up. Didn't have food stamps. I will agree with that. But uh, uh, I this particular cousin, rural. I think they do have money. But you wouldn't know because they're like people that don't have a TV. Like oh, they're, that too, they're smart enough to not need a TV. Dude, they don't have a TV. Big and, money. And here's another side of this. They got a motherfucking pipe organ in their house. Like the whole ass pipe organ. Now it wasn't, they didn't get it. They didn't buy it. They got it from a church Uh-oh. that they were churching at. But yeah, they got a whole ass pipe organ in their house. That's pretty like, impressive. I, yeah, oh fucking dude, it it's, is. They, it's they also, huge. It's huge. You know what they did? That's badass. I'll tell you a little story about them. That's pretty badass. They uh, live out in the middle of fucking nowhere, mm-hmm. and uh, Verizon came to them, and they're like, "We will give you a lot of money if you let us build a cell phone tower on your property." The motherfuckers turned it down. Not only did they turn it down, but then they tried to go next door and they talked the people next door into turning it down too. <laughs> they're very anti-technology. Like they're very much like they don't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. It's a bad idea. And uh, they, with the kids, I'm sure the kids are, I haven't seen them in decades. They're freak offs. The kids are absolutely fucking freaks. I, I agree. If they haven't seen outside society and haven't learned any dances from TikTok, they're fucking freaks. Right. They, they're wolf children. Yeah. Yeah. They would like, they read like, they read a lot. Like They had a lot of books. It's not good. It's not good for people. You don't get along with people by reading books. You don't, yeah. you don't get along in society. There's no community if you're just burying your nose in a book. Right. How do you go to, like, you go to school and then, like, everybody's talking about, like, The Simpsons or something? You know what I mean? And you don't know about The Simpsons? Maybe that's just me because I'm a fucking weird guy and, like, I was always concerned with what everybody was talking about. Like, I always want to know what the thing is, you know? Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm going to watch that the day it comes out so that I know what everybody's saying. But they didn't uh, have that ability. We're talking too much. We got to jump in. Okay. Well, let's take there, this last call. There's two to go. No, we got to jump in. All right. Let's let's do it. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hello. This is Michaela from Dayton. What's up, Michaela? How's it going? It's going. Um, I'm actually Comrade Mick on TikTok. So yeah, I was just saying, Mich- the, Michaela from TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Michaela, you you made a video about uh, Icy Jake, our, our one of our favorite oh. rappers, and also mm-hmm. our audio engineer for Street Fight Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did do that. Um, so uh, you you are you are a fellow Ohio radical, which I appreciate. And I was wondering how you found out about what Jake, what happened to Jake. 
Um, it's interesting, actually. When I got really involved into like leftist ideas, I wanted to be able to explain it to my friends and family in a way that I like wouldn't bore them. And the best way I knew how to do that was with music. So I started making a leftist playlist and most of the people I know like rap music. So I was trying to find a leftist rap music that's still like relevant today and, you know, more leftist than just like vague mentions. And I mm-hmm. just came up in like my Spotify recommendations after I was listening to a lot of bamboo. I don't know if you know who that is. Yep. Um, so anyway, I found him on Spotify, I listened to the whole album through and I like the second time through, I realized it was obviously like a story, like he was telling a story and I Googled him, realized he was from Ohio, thought that was crazy. And then just the whole story was really fascinating to me. And I felt like more people needed to hear about it because it's kind of actually insane. So. Yeah, that's cool as hell. It's a shitty story too. A real fucked up It's a horrible story. Yeah, I actually kind of resonate with it a little bit. When I was um, in middle school, it's kind of crazy. I went to school with a prescription strength Aleve, and I got charged with two felonies and kicked out of my school district. And the state picked up the charges and tried to charge me, a 12-year-old, as an adult. Um, So, yeah, that was really fun. So it it resonated a little bit, just like an absolutely absurd charge that fucking throws you like a tailspin. So, wow, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. A prescription <laughs> strength <laughs> a leave. Did they end up dropping it? What? 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 How did it? How did it play out? So, a year they kicked me completely out of the school district, and at the time I was living in San Antonio, Texas. And one thing about that area is. A school district can be up to like 50 miles. Like you can't re- take a bus to the next school district. I uh-huh. was just fucked. I had to go be homeschooled. Um, so essentially what happened is a year after I got kicked out of school, like to the date, the state of Texas called my mom and they told her that they were picking up the charges and charging me as an adult and she should get an attorney. <laughs> and so we actually like sold property that was like left to my mother after her father died to pay for my attorney. Uh, it was like $10,000 for them to basically just, they're trying to scare me. They used me as a pawn basically to scare other kids to not bring fucking, you know, a leave to school apparently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Fuck yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I, w- I was going to ask yeah. like, I, I was interested that you found Jake and everything, and I was wondering, you know, what what led to your radicalization, but that lays it out right there. Um, Yeah, that's kind of like the the brink of it. I just grew up really poor, and I grew up with really young people around me. My mom was really young when she had me, and she worked her ass off 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week. So it was really easy to, like, hate capitalism without knowing what capitalism was but when i was able to identify that that's kind of what radicalized me obviously so that's wild they kind of grew up like that too though i I mean it's wild that he resonated with you so much because jake's my cousin so oh wow i like know his parents and stuff like that uh uh Mm -hmm. so do i great people uh actually the only reason i graduated high school was because of jake's mom uh, oh, wow. I had, I had to go to summer school after my senior year to, to get a math credit and my parents wouldn't pay for it. So she went and got a payday oh. advance and, uh, paid for me to get, go to summer school. So 
Oh, that's capitalism, baby. Have to pay to go to summer school. What shit is that? Yeah, it was like $111. And my parents were like, we just don't have it. I was like, okay, yeah, motherfucker, we have a pool. <laughs> <laughs> we have cable. We've never been on EBT. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, my parents love to say we don't have it. They just, it was their favorite thing in the world to say. Well, yeah, yeah but I, I'm glad I, to hear that because, uh, you know, uh, we, I feel a similar way that like the, I just know this wasn't fair from jump, but it took me a long time to get there. When I, when I was younger, I, I wanted to believe there was another way to do things and all of that, but uh, I was ignoring all of the signs around me. So I thought it was interesting to see your TikTok account and, and I'm glad you called in. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, that's it. Thank you. And thanks for calling. Yeah, yeah, have a good thanks. night. Bye. Mm-hmm. Well, that's crazy. That's so well, cool. And Michaela, say, tell us where we can follow along with what you're doing on TikTok. Oh, okay. It is just at Comrade Mick, M-C-K. Nice. I got to get TikTok now. You get, you made me want yeah, to get TikTok. What are you doing? You have to. I'm old. Yeah. yeah. To be relevant. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to let you go. I did want to needle you a little bit about like, um, no, please. Like, what, what are your, because, you know, we had the compulsion to start our podcast 10 years ago and start what, what we Uh do, um, because it felt like everyone around us wasn't acknowledging things. So I think that I thought it was interesting that you said you wanted to do this in a way that was, uh, uh, that 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 other people could understand like you wanted to create explainers for people around you yeah pretty much and like so far i feel like i've done that to like an okay extent but not necessarily on the platforms that i've wanted to because 60 seconds is really not a lot of time especially to analyze music um so like stuffing all that information in and then also stuffing in the music clips is i can hardly even so it's nice in the sense that I can grasp people's attention for literally 60 seconds and like implement seeds of leftist ideas. But personally, like I, what I would like to do the most would kind of be like a podcast. It's, it's really, I've found it kind of upsetting because the more I think about it, if I would have just had like one like leftist in my life who wouldn't have treated me like I was like lesser than them because I was a liberal at the time, uh-huh. I would have radicalized a lot faster. And so I just think a lot of like academia jargon gets in the way of radicalizing people. And ultimately like the goal should be solidarity of like the working class people, not who's smarter, who's read the most theory, whatever. And so my goal is to get away from that because while it is important, they're the most important thing is mutual aid and process and all that. So, yeah, yeah. you know what? I, and I would say my advice to you is that like you you 60 seconds is like a really great parameter and you've you've really uh-huh. done a good job of breaking things down in 60 second chunks um don't be too impatient don't want uh-huh. don't expect things to like be bigger than you can handle but like now that you have this 60 second breakdown you know if you have that hunger for the longer format i think that like you're ready to do it you've done the practice and and you should keep working towards it but it'll come it just takes time yeah, it does. I definitely agree with that. I've got to slowly get myself into that because it's kind of like performing and 60 seconds of performing even is kind of draining. So 
Trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah, props, props to you guys. Seriously, it's really hard to like consistently keep up with like entertaining people for a period of time. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's surprising until you're on the other side of it. Um, you know, you don't want to oh complain, but like, like after you've tried to hold someone's attention for like an hour, it's just like that was tough. That was actually tough. I'm not. I'm not going to say that was fun for me just because it seemed like I was the center of attention. That was a lot to 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 deal with. I've streamed on Twitch a few times and every time I've done that after it, I'm like, Oh God, I I need like a nap and like to not talk to anybody for a few hours. It's like way too much. I said, it it really is work. I said this to Brett, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago or like a few months ago, I brought my wife with me to do the podcast and, uh, she, she knocked some back while she was here hanging out. And then, uh, uh, we got in the car to drive home and she wanted to have a conversation. And I was like, no, no. Like after the podcast, I don't talk to anybody. I silently sit in the car and (laughs) listen to something, somebody else talk or something, you know? Oh yeah. This Colin show is like. I'm so glad when I get home, she's going to sleep. Cause I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, also with the Colin show is that is very brave. <laughs> that is a brave stance to take. Cause ah, you don't fun. know who's going to call in. So. It's fun. It took well, a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. It took us. So it took us a while, but it's fun. So have a good night. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. And your comrade yeah, MCK you. on, on TikTok, The people want to know. Yes, that is me, Comrade M C K. Thank you, Comrade M C K on TikTok. Thanks for calling in, and uh, I'll send you a message, and and we'll get together as we as people get yeah. vaccines and everything. I'd love to have to. Uh, I'd love to have you as guest on one of our live shows at some point in Ohio. Absolutely, it's, I would love to do that. So it's Ohio against so the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. we'll set that up. Oh yeah. All right, let's do it. All right, thanks, guys. Have Peace. a good night. All right, bye. I'm glad she called. Yeah, me too. I didn't even uh, know somebody wrote a book about Jake. Not wrote a book. Oh. She made a TikTok. Made a TikTok about Jake. Yeah, I was actually, I was going through TikTok. I follow my hashtags, like my radical hashtags. And then, well, no, wait, actually it was um, my dude sent it to me. Youngin. Youngin 8 sent it. Yeah. He was like, check out this TikTok. I saw Jake. And then it was her explaining Jake's whole case and doing samples of his music in like 60 seconds. It was unreal. That's great. To find that other people found it. She's Comrade MCK on TikTok. Sweet. Very good. So I reached out to her and had her call in. Nice. Thanks for waiting. No problem. Last call. Stamos. All right, let's do it. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, it's Hank in Los Angeles. What's up, Hank? How's it going? Hey, guys. I called the whole world calls me Hank. I'm sorry. What what was that, Hank? That happens every time someone learns my name. I'm totally used to that. That's great. Uh, I called. No one does that for me. Uh, (laughs) I uh, I was I was the guy who was from the Young Turks Union. I called and I called for the podcast pep talk. Oh yeah, yes. Um, So I'm kind of the perfect uh, call to follow up. Uh, the young woman who was just on, uh, man, she really hit the nail on the head with like how there's a generational divide between like, I'm old too, like Brian, I'm 41, you know? So I, and I've, I've been doing like content production to use a phrase. I I can't can't hate saying content, but, uh, you know, 
for a long time. And yeah. the idea of getting on TikTok and getting used to TikTok and doing 60 second videos terrifies me. I've done 12 hour podcasts. I've done lately, I've been doing a lot of Twitch streaming and doing many, I can talk for a long time. You can probably tell. Mm-hmm. And uh, dude, it's, it's, it's funny how the generations kind of need, it's nice of her to kind of guide us old men <laughs> into, into making better decisions about TikTok and, and the newer stuff. It still feels really intimidating, uh, but yeah. I talked to Drew, Drew Toothpaste also, like he started doing online comedy and online community stuff like in their 2000s. Like instead of fucking around mm-hmm. and like wasting time at school or like getting a drug addiction or just doing other things and then reawaking it at 30. Like ever since he's been 20 years old, he's just been making comics and music and jokes and all of those things. And he's like made it happen. And he's, he's like, he's older and someone that like I look up to and I, I love his opinion on things. Um, but at the same time, then you look at the people coming, the younger people coming up and then you have to compare your journey to theirs and, it's not the same, but I'm also right. You know, she, she's very good at what she does. Like the, there's a lot of young people that are doing horrible, dumbass TikToks, but she has like identified what she's good at 60 second, 60 second explainers and has made it like a really good and, and engaging, uh, content. I'm, I'm definitely going to check her out tonight. Uh, I haven't, I haven't uh, caught her yet, but um, yeah, like uh, I, I've been thinking about doing like Photoshop 60 second or like kind of like Premiere Pro little tutorials for TikTok or something. But I'm, I'm just like, there's no way I can be as good as some of these people are. And I, you know, I'm a video editor. I could probably figure it all out and make it work. But I feel like I'll probably put in like 16 hours of work just for that first one. And it just seems like too much for me right now. Yeah, I don't yeah, understand photos and ahead. video yeah. i'm bad at understanding photos and videos so it, it, that's <laughs> the thing with me i can't make them the best advice that i can say is that if your if your critique of yourself is like insecurity or like i'm not good enough or i can't do this uh you're wrong like it, there's no reason to have those thoughts i mean most of the platform is folks just fu- it's the same thing as twitter it's people that record themselves telling a story for 16 seconds and just fire it off you don't have to. You don't have right. to put too much time into it. Um, if you want to, and it's fun, you should. Um, but I, I remember, I remember having this conversation a year ago with people. That are like, "What? What do you mean we're thirty? We shouldn't be on TikTok." And I'm like, "You're a moron," because Facebook started for college people, and you've 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 made up an arbitrary rule of like why you shouldn't express yourself on this platform, which is not dictated by anybody young people won't kick you off you can't get your fucking account banned because you are 30 they don't want to do a birthday check i see plenty of fucking 40 50 i follow 80 year old people on tiktok that are doing amazing fucking content that it's way better than anything i see on network tv so yeah, yeah there's no reason to convince yourself not to do something you want to do or you think would be fun those barriers are hard to get over for a lot of us, you know, yeah. like the, the, the uh, gumption it takes to just to leap forward. Don't worry about the mistakes. You're going to fuck up all the time. You know, I kind of understand all that stuff intellectually, but you know, I've been in this sort of game chasing stuff. No, you, no one's ever heard of me or anything, but like, this is sort of what I was talking about when I called before, when I brought up burnout in relation to podcasting, because it's just sort of like, my, I have a lot of self doubt that creeps in and it takes a lot of energy just to beat down the self doubt before I can even get to the content production part to yeah. put it quickly. That's taken away from your success. It depend- 
Like every minute you exactly, expect, yeah. every minute you spend yeah. trying to convince yourself not to do something is is minutes taken away from succeeding. Right, right. And if, or even just like uh, having to get over this self, like it's, it's such a process throughout from the generation of the self-doubt all the way through the defeating it as well. If you don't, if you choose not to let it get to you, which when you have like depression and anxiety stuff, it can, it can be a big uh, inhibitor. Um, but yeah, I but, mean, the people I, I've known in this industry that have done well have all been those that just have like a little entitlement and a lot of gumption. Here's what I'm going to say, which is not nice, but like if your depression, anxiety gets the best of you, then fucking quit. Like if you, if you, if you can't right. defeat, if you can't, if you always have a logistical reason why you can't create something, like then you're not built for it. Like I just don't think that everybody that wants to do it gets to do it. The ones that figure out how to, create unabashedly and for themselves like those are the ones that get the rewards if you're not willing to give up your self-doubt you're never going to be successful you should just sign up for a job that pays what you want and and figure that out you know there's yeah there's yeah. no other way around it like i i right. mean the excuses yeah. on why you can't do stuff because there's no consequences for for performing online and the, the people that get viral videos, the people that get viral videos, they didn't plan it at all. They made 100 videos every single day, and then one of them mm -hmm. hit. And they never felt bad right. about it. And all the folks that sit around and second-guess themselves and, you know, you judge other people, and then all of a sudden that same judging eye comes back on you. So all of a sudden you can't create because you judge the way that other people create, and you fucked yourself over. And if you're going to get tied up in that, just give up. Just don't do it anymore. Stop Stop podcasting. Stop TikToking. You're not built for it. You know? Like, I get over sure. it eventually. That's why I can do it, because I'm, I'm not going to let it hold me down. But if th there's people, it's not just you. I get DMs every single month about people that want to be hyped up that they should keep trying, but like you should stop. Eventually you should stop. You shouldn't keep doing it for, you shouldn't waste your whole life trying to do something you have to convince yourself to do. You should just stop. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it, the eventually is the key word I, I think that you used because a lot of people face uphill climbs and, and you can get over them. You know, I, you know, for me personally, I've had years where I felt like I was way past them. And then I've, it's also been something that I've had to manage and it's, you know, and it's return over the last few years or whatever. It's a lifelong but, uh, thing. Yeah, it's, all it's, good stuff. it's actually like a lifelong thing that you deal with. But like, uh, uh, I mean, Brett's kind of right. It's like, totally I right. mean, you're, if, if, if it hurts to do, then it might not be for you because it is also like a, a painful sort of business to be involved in too, you know, like any kind of art period or, or, or whatever you call podcasting or whatever. Like it's a, it's a very difficult thing to be in. You always feel like, I don't know what the word is. Like I, I've always said, it feels like you're climbing a rope with like oil on it because like, Mm -hmm. you make advances but it never feels like an advance and uh if you're built for it it just means that you're constant like for me it is like a thing where it's like i just i just want to be comfortable it is like the only thing i think but like i also know i'm not built for comfort i'm not like a comfortable guy and like uh, uh um i just i understand that it's going to be 
I understand that it's a struggle, I guess. And uh, at the end of the day, it comes easy to you. Right. Right. If someone put, if someone, if someone puts a mic in front of you, it comes easy. That's what I'm saying. If it, if, if it, if it is, uh, if it hurts to do, then I say don't do it to me. Like, that's my opinion is like, there are times where I don't want to podcast now. There are times where I want to take days off and stuff like that. But the truth is when Sunday shows up, when Wednesday shows up or when the POD cast has to get recorded or when I have to do a guest spot on, on one of my friend's shows, like I do show up and I, I do enjoy myself. It's literally like, uh, uh, the, it, it is about doing it. It's, it's the doing part of these things that like is important. And if you can't like make yourself do it, then I just like, I would like to see you find an easier thing, like a way that is natural, that doesn't feel hard yeah. to do. I talked to somebody that said they wanted to be a musician and it's like, well, why aren't you tapping on top of the fucking oatmeal box? Like, why aren't you like shaking the pan in a way that is fun? Like, if it if it's just something you want to do, doesn't mean that you get to have it. That doesn't mean that it's like what what comes naturally or what you're built for. I mean, like, and shit, you know, I I'm sure it's the same in music. Like, that's another job that is going to constantly feel like success is just out of your reach. There's not like a, a a metric for success, and it always feels just out of your reach, no matter how successful. You, I, that's how I felt doing this is that like, if you had told yeah. me what I make now, I would be making what I make now five years ago, I would be like, fuck, I'm done. I don't even got to try no more. And then like, now it's like, I want more. Like, I just, I want to achieve more. I want these signifiers of success to show up in my life. And like, I'm constantly what? trying to convince myself that that is coming, that that is on the horizon and that that is possible. Totally, totally. I, I, I always kind of conceptualize it as a, kind of like a car wash, you know, where like you're sort of getting pummeled and sprayed in the face and hit things hitting you from all angles and you're not sure uh, where they, where it finally ends. And once you get out of it, things get a little easier. There's going to be more car washes and more challenges. But the, the, the one of the emotional challenges of this sort of career versus, say, going to law school where there's a more uh, a visible higher or a visible a visible ladder to climb to get to where you want to be, of course, with some un, uncertainties. But this sorts of thing has so much more uncertainty. You don't know how long the car wash is, so it could be any day now. It could be this or this or then. But you can influence the probability that it will come sooner than later if you keep trying and if you keep pushing and if you battle through the difficult periods. And that's how I see it. It hasn't, you know, I, I yeah, I, I'm fully committed to uh, doing it. Nothing else makes sense in to, as far as I'm concerned, but I'm, I'm taking kind of a comprehensive view on doing uh, leftist and com leftism and comedy kind of connected content more or less. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, I, mean, I hear it, you. It Thank is, you for the advice. Good stuff. Yeah. That for me is, it, it is like, I, I, I'm not one to tell people that they can't do something. Like, I think that you should always, if you have this vision in your mind of a thing that you want to do, which I, I had 100. And, uh, uh, if you have this vision and, and then you want to do it, which is the next step, but you can't get to the point where you do it. It's like, I don't want you beating yourself up because you haven't been able to get to the point to do it. Maybe it's just not like, I mean, may, 
maybe you have some things to work to work through before you do it. I know I did. Like it took a lot of working through feelings and like, you know, even just the radicalization had to happen for street fight to happen. But it also like, right. It took a lot of like, okay. Like, you know, me and Brett, when we started this show had been friends for probably six months or something like that. We weren't like super close or anything like that, but we had been doing a podcast with two people that I was very super close with at the time. And it also took me just realizing, you know what? The chemistry is here. It like, isn't there. And to have to do this thing where it's like, well, I'm sorry guys. Like this is done. I can't do me and Brett are doing this thing. And like, that is because like the chemistry, that's where the chemistry was. The actual chemistry was with Brett. And like, we developed our relationship over these years. Uh, but street fight was super early on. We weren't overly familiar with each other. We did not know each other like we do now. And that was just one of those things where like, we had to fucking, you know, we had to climb through shit to get to where we are and like there was resistance every step of the way and like we got out on the other end and did it and people have to understand that there is going to be resistance every step of the way and that like if that's tough then like really there are things you can do and and be happy and like there are i mean i don't know what like what jobs you might be interested in, or if like you're interested in a hobby or something like that. Like I say, go for it. But like, it's just when, when I, I'm a depressed guy, but uh, um, mm -hmm. I, I'm very depressed. We should hang out. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I have like what? crazy anxiety and crazy depression, but like I worked super, I, I yeah. like, this was something that up. came easy to me. This was something that, this came, this was something that I was good at almost immediately. Yeah. I, I think that like, well, and this was part of the Gary V episode of get motivated, but it resonated with me when I heard him say it was that like, you should double down on your strengths and forget all of your weaknesses because we have a culture built around apologizing for not being good at calendars or apologizing for not being able to focus when it comes to spreadsheets. But uh, the reason that we're working with people, the reason that we're talking and, and arranged with them is that they have a lot to offer. And, and those things that come naturally, those things that you're passionate about, you know, I also am a, a depressed person, but I was a, I'm able to show up to do the show every single week, regardless of my mental state. And that's like an indication that this is the thing that for me is, is what I need to, to spend my time on. This is the double down moment. I've got 11 against the dealer right now in blackjack uh you know it's it's mm -hmm. you don't want to you don't want to have the atlas struggle when it comes to how you make your money or how you direct your life um and and if you if you can get by with doing menial tasks and making a, a living i i think that's perfectly acceptable i don't think it, we all have to be following our passion but for those artists and creator people out there, just do what you want and, and figure out what you can get from it, you know, and, and stop having self doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The, the, the using your strengths, I listened to that Gary Veter episode is good stuff in there. And, um, 
the uh, I'm, that's sort of I'm sort of doing that with my own career. Not um, like I started out in stand up and then as trying to be a writer and uh, other things. And those are things I still would pursue if opportunities came up and became and got into podcasting and eventually became like, you know, working in L.A. and stuff. I don't need to read. I talked about it a little bit last week or last time I called. But, uh, you know, lately, uh, Brian mentioned a hobby or something like I've always loved woodworking. Right. I, I used to own a business. Yeah. This is sort of a second career, uh, this comedy and video production and stuff, sort of a second career for me. I, I, before that, I owned an aquarium service and uh, very, just sole proprietor, a real dumb shit. Got job. I did a terrible job. <laughs> I, was, I was good at talking to people. I was OK at keeping fish alive, but I, it, it was a perfect job to have while I was starting out doing uh, stand up because I could control my schedule and stuff. So I, uh, that's one reason I like you guys, because I kind of have a, that blue collar, like make your own way mentality as well. Um, and so lately I've been like, man, and, and that was my favorite part about the fish tanks was building stuff, was putting things together and, and building cabinets and stands and stuff. So now I've been uh, trying to start a woodworking business, but I'm also uh, doing it as a video production project as well, since I have that skill. And so I'm doing like build videos and YouTube stuff. It's a little tragic because I'm destroying a beloved hobby by converting it into what might be monetizable someday. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's that angle to it. I don't think about that too much. And that's, I don't, you know, but yeah, I'm, that sounds like a bad been, point of uh, view to have is all to me. It's all, it's no, all I'm I hear. Is a, that's my primary like, point of view. Here's no, a way no, no, to, no. to <laughs> think of it in a self-destructive <laughs> manner. I, I mean, in the sense where like, like we're, we're all, we're all sort of kept so close to the line of desperation that we yeah. look at our, our things we love and we look at them and we say, how can I make money off of Ten four. that's kind of, that's what I mean by what's tragic. So anyway, I'm having a, uh, like I'm, I've done a lot of like lately. Well, uh, it's been off and on, but like politics, podcasting, I worked at the young Turks. I was on the Jimmy door. You know, I, I think I'm, at, I don't know. It's the guy that was on the Jimmy door show before. Um, but this sort of shifting to hobbies, I feel like what I'm doing though, is trying to unite my principles. Cause I have been radicalized in the last few years by the union campaign thing and by working for gig work. And, and like, I forgot the previous caller's name, but you know, she said that there's like barriers to, to her leftism being activated or being awoken because liberals were, or because she was merely a liberal. And so that put a barrier up to her. And I'm sort of thinking my strengths are more in the vein of like trying to help along that conversation with with that small percentage that yeah. gradient that's not yet fully radicalized to the right but they're still kind of because they're still kind of conservative or liberal because this this country conditions everybody to be conservative or liberal one or yeah. the other they don't really it, it took me forever to sort of like finally jump into the marxism pool and start to learn about all this stuff and about anarchism and you know everything else that's kind of like it's all a learning process for me and so I don't know, I just feel like that might be a strength that's worth doing. And the woodworking is also a statement of principles. I'm only using um, like construction lumber and found furniture and uh, getting ready to start selling stuff on Etsy. And um, yeah, yeah. So that's it, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I could actually talk about pools. The biggest part is you just have to live authentically and follow the things that you want to do. Um, if yeah. you're not like beating people up to get your money, if you're not ripping people off. Um, if you're not like horribly addicted to substances, then I think that you will, you'll have your day in the sun. Eventually, um, there's this America sells everybody a quick fix or a pill or a solution to solve all of our problems. Um, and it's only through right action every day that we have like an enjoyable tomorrow. So you have to behave today mm -hmm. in a way that like will build your tomorrow. And 
Uh, if you're investing your time in into those things, I, 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 I hope you'll be fulfilled by the fruits of those results. Um, that's what I believe. It's not what I follow and it makes me miserable and I don't always know what I'm doing, but I, I understand that is like the way of, of at least you, you like, you have to at least say like, I did what I could do. Like, I, I think that like none of us are ever going to feel like we did enough. None of us are ever going right. to solve the problems that we see every single day. But if you tried that makes it enough. Uh, trying is enough. Like eventually you just have to accept it that I tried to make things different. That's enough. I didn't solve everything and, and the world didn't change overnight, but I tried. So that's enough. And and I can go to sleep without any sort of restless nights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, 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 nobody's a superhero. We're all going to have to realize our part, our roles are, small but uh, necessary but you, no no one person can change it all or fix everything it's it's almost the the, the chore of uh saving the world i know that sounds cheesy but like there's extinction is more than likely it seems right <laughs> like the species is probably not going to survive another thousand years but that's the, uh, and that's i changed. think i think saving um, the world is arrogant i think environmentalism is arrogant i think recycling is arrogant i don't we're not in charge of the end of the world we're not going to be in charge of how things mm -hmm. end up i think that you have to find your place like day by day i i'm just very of the moment of like be happy today and, and treat people right today tomorrow isn't guaranteed right well you sure let me clarify i mean like individual acts of living your principles and uh but also a culture that makes it okay for people to um to reject this narrative that's already that's baked into the system i think that's that's we getting over the propaganda that's so woven into the fabric of america is um is it's a a hazard it's a it's what the hell what the hell word about speed bump it's huge. And if we could carve that out and help it so future people can too. But no, I, I don't mean like everybody should have a hero complex. I just think that you've got to do your best and accept that you, you can't save the world is what I kind of mean. But yeah. you can only help by being authentic and living your principles as close as you can. You know, so that's Absolutely. more or less it. I was going to uh, talk to Brian about the above ground pools and stuff, but I think I can save that for another call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we got to get out of here. We're way I know, over I know. now. I guess it's all good. <laughs> totally. All right. Have a good. Didn't mean night. to take up so much time. No, no, don't, you didn't. Don't you yeah, ever well. apologize. Where Where can we? Do right. you want to? You have anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, winners and losers on Twitch. I'm the winners and winners and losers in the chat there, and uh, I've been doing a Valheim gaming stream. Um, did it like several hours over this weekend and I'm posting uh, gaming clips on my channel, Sacrificer. But for woodworking, go to bumrushindustries.com. Uh, that's a website I made. Uh, got the first few build videos up there and some other stuff and some information. And I'm going to be updating that as I get my Etsy shop launched. So there's my depression. That's what I've been doing lately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. It, it that, motivates me. That sounds constructive. Yeah, that doesn't sound depressive at all. No, it's I've been productive, but but still kind of operating on, on mere faith that it's going to work, which you have to do. I appreciate yeah. your call. You're taking my time. Well, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Have a good night. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. You, you can't get attached to the results. I think that's what, and I do the same. Like, I'm not trying to say I'm better than anybody that called or that, or him. But sometimes I want to turn the ship around and I decide I have an idea 
and I'm going to do it and it doesn't get the results that I want, which means that like I should feel bad about that. But the trying is the only thing that ever mattered. The results are negligent. I mean, you know, if you can't make it work, if you're about to get kicked out for trying to run a small business, like you probably aren't doing the right thing. Um, but if you're doing a creative endeavor, there's no reason to feel bad about it. It's not going to help you to feel bad about it or to 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 take into account all the negative feelings you should have about it. Uh, thank you for listening to Street Fight Radio. I'm Brett Payne. My co-host is Brian Quimby. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk bullshit at each other. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Radio. If you want to follow the show, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're Street Fight WCRS. On Twitch, we are twitch.tv slash streetfightradio. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody that helped us raise money for the Pathfinder RPG books today. I sent a tweet out earlier that some incarcerated people were looking for some out-of-print Pathfinder RPG books. We raised the money, and all the excess is going to books to prisoners. So anyone that chipped in on that, we appreciate it. We're going to keep it moving forward as much as we can, and it's only because of all y'all. Uh, we're on social media and we're street fight. Peace.